Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast, recording this one late on Thursday, November the 30th, as we turn the page to December 2023. Hope everyone's having a nice holiday season. We have a packed episode of That's What G Said here. A lot of racing on this one with some of the new meets starting to open up soon. We'll get Gulfstream Park. We just had Tampa open up recently. Also had Turfway start racing. So on this episode, we will get into NFL Week 13 game previews with Eric. Then we'll go Friday Racing, Gulfstream Park. I just have one play there, but it's opening day. Wanted to at least give you one over there. Then Woodbine, couple best bets there. Couple at Del Mar. So Friday, Gulfstream. Friday, Woodbine. Friday, Del Mar. We move to Saturday, Aqueduct. They have a big day with the Cigar Mile and a couple other stakes races right before that leading up to it. So we'll have analysis of races 7 through 10 for Aqueduct, then at Gulfstream Park, a couple best bets for Saturday. For Woodbine, they have a few stakes races, so we'll talk about those two stakes races with some analysis on those, and then Saturday, Del Mar best bets, so lots of Friday and Saturday racing. We get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, CM Punk, back in the WWE So much to talk about coming off of Survivor Series, and Chad helps me discuss all of the big news in wrestling this week on this episode. That's what G said. That is presented by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. You can check out the website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com, and she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, anything in the world of real estate that you need, Cindy Carava. So uh, no more time to waste, folks. We have a busy episode. Let's get right on into it. NFL Week 13, Eric joins us to talk about everything going on as we preview a week where there are six buys. So a few less games to discuss. Kick back and enjoy. NFL Week 13, Eric, my friend, we are already a big portion of the way through this year's NFL season. A couple things that I wanted to mention when a week like last week happens. Usually not the greatest week for you and me uh, because favorites were 12 and four against the spread in week 12. This actually was the first week of 12 or more favorites covering since week 12 of 2017. And in the Super Bowl era, there's never been a week when 13 or more, I think, in a single week. Um, Another thing to monitor Monday Night Football unders 13 and one so far uh, this year on the season. And then the kind of big news. I guess before we get into any specifics, Frank Reich fired. What'd you think about that? Let's get a little reaction on that one. Um, someone messaged, <clears throat> excuse me. Someone messaged me said, I have to check out the press conference. I have not checked out the press conference yet. That Tipper, Tipper, whatever his name is. Did. Man, yeah, good. he, it's not I good. I really need to check that out. So that's, that's on my list of stuff to do. That's number one. Um, I did something with, on my stream on um, Tuesday and me and Wade, who is my guest, these are the seven code. These are the eight coaching jobs we think are going to be open next year. Okay. Chargers, Raiders, Patriots, Bucks, Panthers, Chicago, Saints, and Commanders. I mean, by far Panthers. I mean, why would anyone want to go there? You're just going to get a, like a crap. You, you don't have your, yeah, you, you don't have your pick. You don't have your pick anymore, and you've got an owner who's fired since he's been the owner. All three coaches he's fired, he's done it during the season. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even give – he's not even giving – he's going to have to overpay somebody a ton and hope that there's just somebody out there who's absolutely in love with with Bryce Young and thinks he can fix Young because 
they're just not in a good situation. They no, they, they don't no, even have their pick. No you know? pick. Questions on the offensive line. Burns wants traded. Um, and what makes it even worse, it's not, you know, it's not always fair just to compare like this. But Eric, it makes it a lot worse how good Stroud is playing too, right? Yeah, if, I guess if, like if I he was know. struggling and not playing as well, you would you maybe wouldn't feel like as bad about it. But you really or like it was one of these two guys, and this was the guy. And I'll give you a lot of credit because we previewed all these teams before the season. We talked a lot of news leading into the NFL season. You were never high on Bryce Young. And we're not saying that he's done and he'll never be a competent quarterback in the NFL, but you just were not high on him and what you would have to do to go get him, right? What they had to spend in order to go get him. It cost them an additional pick and this year. So they had to spend a lot of capital on top of more. The wide receiver, who's a good wide receiver. Yeah, they really went all in and just, excuse me it just it it just backfired on him um obviously they lost drew they got let go of deuce staley too who's highly respected in the league and mccown Um, too right who was like a guy that was kind of moving up in a lot of rooms this is weird i just i just kind of feel it's not going to be the job that people want like if i'm a young coach i don't i'm not going to go there um because your guy for example ben johnson last year he turned that job down mm -hmm. and so if you were him why would you go take that job again this year? Well, I mean, like, out of the jobs I listed, like, this is how we ranked them last year. Like, these these are the eight we think are going to be free. I have Bears one, Chargers two, Commanders three, Raiders four, Bucks five, Patriots six, Saints seven, Panthers eight. You and know, the Bears like, because of the picks. Because of Bears what you can do. The, you can start over with your picks. guys right off the bat. Yep. Um, Herbert, obviously, for for the Chargers. Down. Yep, yep, you've got him under contract for a while. Commanders, you have Howell, who's young, under a rookie deal. You have some pieces defensively on the front with Allen and um, um, I'm forgetting the other guy, Payne, up front. Um, for the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders, you got Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. You have some pieces there. You um. You know, then you look at the Bucks. Bucks, you have you're going to have a, a top pick. You can move off Mayfield. You can get your quarterback. Yeah. You can kind of start building. You have Godwin. You have White. You could re-sign Evans. You have some pieces. Patriots, I have low just because you're in the division with the Bills, the Dolphins. So that's why I have them low. Saints, Saints have some awful contracts. It's going to be hard for them to get. They're older, man, before. and you can yeah. see on both sides of the line, like in their defense, they just look older and older and older each week yeah it's just it's just bad like i just don't know what i want you know i just don't know hypothetically if i'm a young coach i don't really want to go there there's no point in me going there just because this may be my only opportunity to coach so why would i want to go there i man i agree with you i just and and i will say again you did not like the frank reich hire he's had an interesting career because he's definitely had spots where he succeeded and he did well but you could see as as things started to change in in Indy, just in the later years, he had a tough time adjusting and just kind of like sometimes you grow out of it. I don't know, like him, whether or not you thought he was the right call. I didn't like the fact that they fired him right now and not just at the end of the year because what? Again, if you think he's not the right guy, maybe just okay, let's get rid of him. 
But if he didn't do anything, if he was a professional and you just didn't like his the job that he did, I think you wait till the end of the year and you get rid of him because it doesn't do it's not going to help you or hurt you any in the next few weeks. And he wasn't Urban Meyer. He wasn't Hackett. He was just a bad coach. It wasn't like this team was showing up and they didn't know what they were doing and he didn't understand. He didn't even know schemes or players. He just, they didn't do well. And honestly, it's probably as much on Bryce Young as it is on Wright. Like, he just has not been successful at all. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And Eric, we do have a small sample size. Remember how different this team looked when Andy Dalton was playing? They moved the ball. They yeah, points. I really believe if I really believe if Dalton was a quarterback, they would be they'd have like probably three or four wins right now. Oh, absolutely. We saw it in the game when in, in the times that he played, he moved the ball, scored points, and just had it looked like a competent offense. I'm not saying this team is a playoff team or has a winning record or anything, but we just haven't seen the glimpses. Honestly, DeVito's got the second best QBR from a rookie. We've seen small glimpses from all these different guys through the years. We would joke about uh, your buddy Mills from the Texans. And like, he had some glimpses here and there. Minshew had like a really good start. We just haven't seen all that much yet from Bryce Young. We'll uh, continue to see how his rookie year goes. Those are just some of the news stories to talk about. We do have six teams on the bye this week. And I think this is the last week of buys, right? Right now. Now last week of buys. And I mean, so dude, you haven't gotten to the biggest story of the day, dude. Okay. How somehow, some way, I'm still fighting in Survivor. In Survivor, somehow, some way, I'm still. You are alive. Somehow. Okay. So, what's the thought process this weekend? Do you have something in mind already? Or are you? Right now, I have the Bucks in. Okay. I haven't locked it in yet, but I mean, the, it's just one of those things where it's just like looking at this board that I. Like, I don't really know where else I can go with confidence. I kind of feel like, to me, that's the only place you can really go with confidence. I've already used the Chiefs. Um, actually, you know what? I haven't used the Jaguars yet. Maybe I'll use the Jaguars. On Monday. So, on, okay. Well, well, let's talk it all out. Let's see if anything else, as you uh, get through the analysis and some of these games, anything else kind of pops up as we start with Thursday night football. The Seahawks and the Cowboys, both these teams played on Thanksgiving last week. So it's just a, a week turnaround for them. No short week. And this is just that crazy stretch of games for the Seahawks where they played the 49ers, the Cowboys, the 49ers again, and then the Eagles. They lost to the Rams right before that stretch. And they could go from a team that was leading the division to a team that's out of playoff contention very quickly. What's... Scary for us, the Seahawks, Eric, is this is kind of the situation where Dallas has been good all year, beating up on these teams that are a little bit more talented than and beating up on them at home. Dallas has scored 114 points in their last three games. And honestly, for Dallas, they're like one of those teams that it's going to be just so hard to, to understand who they really are until it comes to the playoffs and until they have to win a big game against the Eagles or the 49ers or really one of those two teams because they'll continue to win. They'll get in the playoffs. Dak looks good all the time right now. Like he's been one of the best graded quarterbacks. He's thrown for 300 plus yards in four of his last five games, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions during that stretch. They had 10 different players catch a pass last week. Um, 
I mean, I really want to play Seattle because they need one of these next couple games coming up. And I know Dallas is the type of team that as soon as we really start buying in on them, they throw in a clunker. But I mean, the Seahawks, they had trouble moving the ball last week against the the 49ers early. Um, They got a 66 yard kick return on their first possession. They got the ball at the San Francisco 33 yard line and they could only move the ball one yard and they had to kick a field goal. Uh, they went three plays negative one yard on their second position uh, possession. San Francisco scores another touchdown. All of a sudden, by the time they get the ball back the third time, it's 14 to three. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, that was just a weird game. Uh, Gino, is Gino I'm, healthy right now? He probably, he's he better this week, better, but I will this say week this. than last week. Yeah. He'll, you know, full 10 days to rest up, um, full week to rest up, excuse me. So there's an interesting trend this week, and it applies to three teams. Teams that lost by 17 points the week before playing a team that won by 17 points the week before are 60% against the number. The Seahawks fall into this category. Teams that won by 35 points or more the following the previous week are 42% ATS. Yep. Cowboys, who do the Cowboys have on deck? Cowboys have the Eagles on deck. You know, just showcase game against the commanders that was tight and then the wheels fell off in the third quarter i really feel feel that the commanders shouldn't have punted that ball um saints see saints jesus seahawks defense is better than the commanders commanders defense can be passed on i think seattle's getting a little bit healthier at the quarter position that's going to help you can attack this cowboys defense with a lot of intermediate outs away from bland and in the middle. So I really think this is going to be a big locket game, a big Smith new Jitmu game Seahawks. You can obviously rush on them, but here's the thing. Tony Pollard is not Tony Pollard is a guy you want to have 12 carries 10 to 12 yeah. carries max. Not the he's been one back. of the more disappointing fantasy yeah. guys this year. So I just feel that with the situational spot and the trends, the Seahawks on the side, I bet the nine. I pro- I'll be honest. I probably won't even watch this game, but I well, can't. I, I think at over win. like at over seven and a half, I'd I'd be fine on the Seattle side. Between that, like once you get over over the seven and a half here, I agree with you. You just feel like Dallas doesn't need to go and blow this team out with Philly on deck next week. You feel like Dallas kind of historically a- like McCarthy and Dak lose. Exactly. They although th- it's. It's funny because they've this year they've won all of those games, but it's but it's again to the point where we're all starting to believe in them now. Because as you look around the league and everyone kind of has hiccups, Dallas does just beat up some of these teams they're supposed to beat, but now it's narrative-y. Now it's like, okay, are Dallas is Dallas a Super Bowl contender again? We have to see him prove it. I'm not laying it with Dallas, no doubt about it. Eric's on the Seattle side. I'm I'm probably there with him uh as well as we Move to Sunday, Arizona at Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, let's give them a lot of credit, right? Fire Matt Canada. They outgained their opponent for the first time this year. And they went over 400 total yards for the first time in 58 games. They had 149 yards in the first quarter. Uh, they ended up with six plays of 20 plus yards in the game. Four of them were pass plays. They hit the middle of the field. They targeted Fryermuth quite a bit. He had nine catches, 120 yards, a couple of really nice deep sideline shots from Pickett. 
Um, they ran for 153 yards. They used both backs. They looked like a real offense. Now they got to do a better job in the red zone. They were just one of four, but they converted a season high seven third downs. Pickett was graded quarterback number two on the week. He had four big time throws, eight different receivers caught a pass and the defense did a good job putting pressure on Browning, making life difficult for them. They only allowed 11 first downs, stacking the box, forcing Cincinnati to try to throw the ball, only allowed 25 yards rushing in the game. They dominated the time of possession by almost 15 minutes. Um, all that being said, I still think this is too much for this team. This still feels like a little too high for this Pittsburgh team with a like a wild card Arizona team with Kyler Murray who can make things happen. Um, that game against the Rams was kind of weird. The Cardinals go 12 plays, 75 yards, score a touchdown on their opening drive. Then they don't score again until midway through the fourth quarter. They had a chance to score after a Stafford interception. They had a holding penalty, which negated their 70, uh, their 57 yard field goal. They missed a 56 yard field goal later in the game. They allowed the Rams to run all over them, which could spell a problem here. If Pittsburgh leans on the run, but this does just feel a little too high for Pittsburgh here. What do you think about this game, Eric? I took the cards plus the five. Tomlin has a favorite 48% against the number three and a half or more 44.1%. Excuse me. Murray has a dog 64.7%. Murray has a road dog 77.8. Murray getting three and a half or more is 81.8% against the spread. I always like taking Murray on these big dog numbers. Why I mean big dog, I mean a number over three just because of his ability to extend plays with his legs. You talked about the Steelers. The issue with them defensively is the slot, and that's where Rondell Moore plays. He is the first read on on, – he was the first read 44% of the time. So I really think he's going to target Moore. He's going to target McBride. He's going to look to attack the middle of this Steelers defense. You mentioned their offense – producing over 400 yards, but they're playing the Bengals defense who has kind of struggled this year. Hasn't been up to snuff, especially in the back four. Hendricks is banged up, isn't getting to the quarterback and they only scored 16 points. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it was a successful offensive day. Um, Steelers have a Thursday night game versus the Patriots. Why is this important? We need to monitor which running back is going to get a decrease in production. No, in, touches that's the running back we want to target for props going in i think it's going to be a heavy Najee day and then warren will get more run on thursday night that's what they did last time um obviously there's some locker room issues going on with the steelers this whole Deontay johnson game, right yeah much effort i guess they talked to him he apologized to the team but that's still there that's not something that's not going to be going away teams didn't know what you were going to get on offense from Sullivan, who is the running backs coach promoted. Now you kind of have an idea. Now you have film on this offense, one to expect. And as much as everyone wants to badmouth the Cardinals, they compete hard. They play hard. Gannon is a good defensive coach. I think he's going to be able to limit the Steelers attack. It's Kenny Pickett being able to win by a touchdown. I really don't trust that. We talk about luck, turnover aggression and everything. Steelers have one of the best turnover differentials in the league. They're due for some turnover regression. I just like the more in the slot. I like Murray. I don't trust Kenny Pickett laying these big numbers, plus the issues in the film on Sullivan. I took the Cardinals here plus the five and a half. 
Let's keep rolling, Eric. Where do we go next? As we look at DRF Sportsbook, remember, if you're in the state of Iowa, I can uh, flash our uh, little banner right now. Use the promo code FAST. Actually, it's FAST300 now because we uh, we changed that one. Yeah, there we go. It's FAST300 scrolling across the bottom to give you a $300 match deposit bonus. So you can check that out. Eric, we go Falcons and the Jets. So the Falcons... Now, even after struggling for a few weeks, they get the big win over the Saints last week, and now they're actually leading the division. If the playoffs started today, the Falcons are in. Um, man, Jesse Bates, what a huge free agent acquisition in the offseason. The Saints made it to the red zone five times. They were 0-5. Three times they didn't score a touchdown because of Jesse Bates. He got a pick six. He created a fumble. And then he and then stopped, stopped a third down, um, like a single-handedly that would have gotten a first down and given him another set, uh, which was just really, really impressive stuff there. They did a little bit better of a job of getting the ball to some of their playmakers. You know, Robinson still only had 19 touches overall, better than before, but they got Patterson and Algier involved. London had 91 yards receiving. Ritter was fine. He ran the ball a little bit, which was nice. He had seven carries. And for the Jets... I think you and I were hitting on this, Eric. The Jets and the Patriots are going to kind of figure out the same thing, that you can bench Wilson. The problem is Wilson was better is better than Boyle. Like mm. you, You've seen this with Boyle, right? He was in the Lions for a while. It's just Wil, Wilson's not great, but he's better than Boyle. So now the problem is you felt like you had to make a change for the locker room. Because the locker room and the defense, and they're starting to get aggravated. Why aren't we making any change? But then you make a change and Boyle is not better. And he's not even as athletic. Like he can't even move around as well as Wilson can. Boy, they had 38 passes, the Jets did, and they had 12 first downs. 159 total yards, 130 yards passing. They couldn't run the ball uh, because now teams will just stack the box against them because they know that Wilson or Boyle or whoever, let's force them to hit a deep shot down the field against us. And they probably can't do that. We'll put a little pressure on them, stack the box. These teams can't run the ball either. So, gosh, I I want to play the Jets in here. Can you get there at the plus three? I got there at the plus three. Uh, this is how That's I look. the buy-in point, at. right? Yeah, at three or higher. Yeah. Arthur Smith, favorite, 33%. Desmond Ritter, favorite, 29%. Um, I just kind of feel like it's a good spot to fade the Falcons because that division is going to come down to who has the best record in the division. They just beat the Buccaneers. Now they have two divisional games on deck after this. This is the best defense that Ritter has played against. Jets are four DVOA. The only other time they played a top 10 DVOA is when they played the Jacksonville Jaguars. In that game, Ritter, 19 to 31, 191 yards through two INTs, and the Falcons only put up seven points. Also, Look at who the Jets have played. Now you're playing Desmond Ritter. You're going from playing Herbert, um, Josh Allen, and I'm the, not the biggest Tua guy, but Tua is better. Tua is better than Desmond Ritter. So you're getting a huge drop down in quarterback competition, or court. You know what I mean? A huge drop off in quarterback play. And for whatever reason, Smith won't ride Robinson. He will not just give the ball to Bijan Robinson and ride him. It is criminal that Cordell Patterson is getting handoffs at this stage of the season and them actually fighting for a playoff spot. 
Um, home dogs when the total is 35 or less, 55% ATS. Jets played a tight, tight first half against the Finns, and there was that 100-yard pick six Hail Mary. Floodgates opened up for that. I really think Bryce Hall is going to be able to run the ball. Grady um, Jack isn't there with their best run stopper, so I think they're going to have success running the ball, even if they stack the box. Plus, I can't live in a world where Desmond Ritter is laying three points on the road, and I am not fading him. To yeah, me, you have to take the bets here plus, plus the three. Yeah, and my my only my only concern is just I would like this if this was Wilson actually, but I don't think they're gonna go back to Wilson right now. I think he's gonna stick. Like I feel like it's the same thing with the Patriots, where it's like Mac Jones is your better option. It's not like he's great, but of those guys, we saw Zappy wasn't very good either. Um, it's just kind of Zappy funny. Taking thirteen reps at practice. Oh, it's week. gonna be Zappy and Cunningham. I've heard because it seemed like there's no no Jones reps at all. I think he's out of the rotation. Like, I think it's Zappy and then Cunningham backing him up and, like, some packages for Cunningham. And I don't know if you saw that tweet that said Zappy's got a big smirk on his face and said, you know, our, he made a comment. So he's confident. He's ready to rock and roll. Uh, definitely not laying it with the Falcons. Not sure if I can get there with the Jets. Three's the buy-in point for Eric. So that I would absolutely be at three and over. I'd be okay with it. Still a little tough when you see what, what we've gotten from Boyle. Um Let's go Broncos at the Texans. Eric, if we would have said this was a huge game with playoff implications at the beginning of the year, I don't think many people would have would have believed us. But here we are, week 13. This is a massive game with playoff implications for these two teams who are battling now for a wild card spot. Texans, I guess, still maybe have an outside shot at the division, but the Jags would need to lose some, some games that they, uh, they have some soft schedule ahead. So for the Broncos, they have won... Five in a row. In their last four games, they have 15 takeaways. And those 15 takeaways have given them an expected points of 60. So 12 points per game they've had added based on turnover luck and the turnovers, which is just something that's a little bit fluky. Give them a ton of credit. They've been playing way better, but the ball's been bouncing their way. They've almost allowed 20 fewer points per game in their last six games than they did in their first five games when they were allowing 36.2 points per game. It would be the biggest improvement in points per game in history from your first five to the rest of the season. They uh, they've yards allowed has gone down each of the five weeks following the Miami game points allowed dropped each of the four weeks following the Miami game. And they've got victories against the Browns and the bills, which could help them in the playoff race. You know, if they need some uh, tiebreaker seating help, they made some adjustments. They were struggling against the run early. It was more that the Browns just stopped running and didn't run as much, and they tried to pass the ball a little bit more. They do play a Texans team, though, that doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. The Texans are fifth best in the league. They're only averaging one takeaway or one giveaway a game. So if the Brown Broncos have been leaning on takeaways and now they play this team that's not turning the ball over a, a ton, I don't know if they'll be able to quite capitalize like they have been, but I don't. This number is a little tricky to me because, you know, Houston played pretty well last week against Jacksonville. They were it was they were down ten, couple weird decisions. It was third and one when they were down by ten at the forty six yard line, and they took two deep shots in a row instead of just trying to pick up the first down and then get another set and keep moving the ball, especially when you're down ten and you need a couple scores. Um, and then later in the game, just some sloppy stuff. They had twelve men on the field and a punt return. 
and they had to burn a timeout that they didn't have for their big scoring drive. And then the game tying field goal doinked off the bottom of the crossbar. So what do we do in this spot with this number, Eric? Um, do you remember when the Broncos lost 70 to 20 and they're on three and everyone said their season was over since then six and two only giving up 19.8 points per game in that five game winning streak. They're on 16 points. Russell Wilson has not thrown is only thrown over 200 yards. Once during that time, they're leaning on Javante Williams and playing good defense. Now, the thing is this, Will they be able to run the ball in the Texans? That's what it all comes down to. Texans defensive front has been playing better. I really think there's value on Will Anderson still to win defensive rookie of the year. Stroud, 0-4 in his career. No small sample size as a favorite. Wilson, 67% against the spread as a dog. A lot of those were with Seattle, though. 8-4 and is a time with the Broncos. Texans are 26 DVOA defending the pass. I think Wilson is going to be able to throw on them. And that's my worry laying this number that's over three. This kind of has backdoor written all over it um, with the Texans struggling to defend the pass. Um, Teams that are a dog on a five-game winning streak, 55% ATS as a road dog, 57% ATS. Also, I really think one of the big things that isn't being talked about right now, Texans don't have a field goal kicker. They cut Amendola. I don't. Do you know who they signed? I didn't. I didn't get a press thing who they signed. But right now, if this comes down to a field goal, is he going to be able to make a kick? Whoever he is, I don't know. Um, I don't know. The number to me just sounds. Uh, I don't know what to do here, man. If I'm just being it's, honest, Texans are working out Brett Meyer and Taylor. Rusi Lindo, Brett Meyer, who missed four extra points in the Cowboys playoff game. So, you know, there's just, can you trust a team with no field goal kicker, a young quarterback, a young coaching staff that's exceeding expectations to defeat the highest team in the league that's just playing good defense and running the ball? I don't know. I will say this, though. I think the play in this game, though, is first half under just because of how well the Broncos defense is playing. And I feel this is an elimination game for the playoffs. I feel whoever wins this game is going to get in. Yeah, I'm staying away from this one. Not the real strong opinion here as we move to your Lions at the Saints. So Lions got beat up on Thanksgiving. And now for a few weeks, the defense has been struggling. And and now it's sort of a, a couple of the guys who are playing a little over their head early in this the year coming back down now defenses are really focusing in on Hutchinson he's having a tough time getting as much of a burst they don't have that other guy on the other side of the defense like you were always sort of hoping for but they still have a pretty favorable schedule down the stretch and if they handle their business they'll get a home playoff game they'll win the division they you know they could still have a really nice run here they've just got a couple games where they've not played well they get the few extra days off now they're a four-point favorite on the road here. The the one question that I had, just kind of watching back that game from Thanksgiving, is not not even the defense because the Lions' defense has gotten shredded here and there throughout the year. It's played well in games, but it's gotten shredded. So it wouldn't have been shocking to me to see the Lions give up some points. It's just why was Goff pressured so much? Fifty-two percent of the time, the offensive line, Eric really disappointed me in that game because that's been and that's usually one of the strengths for this team over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I really think the big thing is 
Jackson is just insane. Jackson is their left guard next to Taylor, next to Taylor Decker. Him not being there, and then also Vitae's not there. So they have two guards that aren't our backups playing right now. And that's kind of allowing some internal pressure to get home to Goff. You mentioned their defense. Since week five, they EPA worst defense in the league. The last three games, the Lions are giving up 34 points. The injuries to Jackson and Vitae are just killing the interior of this offensive line. Um, flip side with the Saints. Did you see this? Like, who are the Saints playing at wide receiver? Bowden? A.T. Perry? Yeah. I mean, they're in Alave and Thomas are both going out. Alave has, Alave has a concussion. Be, this is yeah, like so he's not going to be. Yeah. I doubt he's going to play. Thomas is on the IR. And the weakness of this Detroit defense is you can throw on them. They've been awful. They've been bleeding production in the passing game. But you have Derek Carr, who can't throw the ball down the field. So it's a lot of checkdowns to Kamara. So I just don't know if the Saints can take advantage of the area that the Lions are weakness at. Um, you mentioned you'd like the Jets more if Wilson was playing. I'd actually like the Saints more if Jameis Winston was playing, just because then you have someone with an arm that will take some deep shots and exploit the holes of this Lions defense. Saints are 22 DVOA against the run. This Lions, at the end of the day, it's a ground-based attack. They're going to be looking to ride Montgomery and ride Gibbs. But right now, for me, I don't trust either one of these teams. This is going to be a pure stay away for me. Maybe I'll put some props on Bowden. Bowden from the Saints, he was the high draft pick from Kentucky that was drafted to the Raiders, then got traded. Um, he got some targets. He didn't do anything for reduction, but they were, were at least looking his way. I'll kind of look at his props. But other than that, in terms of this game, I want nothing to do with it. Here's the Saints' last 32 possessions. They've scored three touchdowns, and those touchdowns came on two touchdown passes from Jameis Winston when Carr was hurt, and one touchdown pass from Taysom Hill when Carr was on the sideline. They had zero touchdowns and five red zone trips last week. They turned the ball over twice inside the 10-yard line. I don't trust them. I I think Detroit's they're still better than they've than they played offensively last week. Defense, like like you said, they're not great right now. They've got holes defensively. I still think they're a little bit better than that bad. And offensively, they they can be a lot cleaner. They had the weird fake punt. That was just a bad decision where they got way too aggressive there. So, I, I mean, I'm not playing it, but I would I would lean Lions. I'm just not going to lay the four on the road. This is not a smart thing to do here. So likely stay aways for both of us as we move to Colts and the Tech and the Titans. Colts at Titans. Eric, I'm going to tell tell you again. The Titans are now undefeated in their four home games in their stadium, and all of their losses have come outside of their home stadium. They average 24.7 points at home, 11 points outside of their home stadium. Four of their final six games are at home. They got up 17-3 last week, and then they just did nothing in the second half. They were just coasting. They punted on all four of their second half possessions before the end of game possession when they just kneeled. Um, it wasn't like they were impressive offensively. They just they didn't need to because they got up early and their defense was just not allowing Carolina to do anything. Um, Carolina didn't cross midfield on their final four possessions of the game. Uh, they only had 260 total yards. Honestly, there were four defensive penalties in the secondary that the Titans caused that gave automatic first downs to Carolina. Otherwise, it, it 
but I probably would have been even uglier there. And just stealing a line from you, my friend, Gardner Minshew favored on the road here at Tennessee, even by small margin. This to me feels like a spot to take the team. It's been really good at home. Uh, the Colts are going to be without Taylor. Now I know Moss is there. He may be a play if you're looking at DFS type, but overall, obviously not having Taylor hurts their team and it's just one less option for them. So yeah, I think the Titans at home here getting plus money, uh, I mean, plus one or basically minus 104 if you're playing the money line here on DRF Sportsbook. That's the side I'm on here, Eric. How about you? Yeah, I got the Titans here. I got it too. Um, Minshew, 48% against the number just in his career. Vrabel, 57% as a dog, 63% as a home dog. JT is out, so you're trusting Zach Moss to be running against the best defensive front against the run in the league. The way you beat this team is through the air. Do you really trust Minshew to step up and make those throws in the air? Colts have some issues on the outside defending it. We saw um, Michael e- Mike Evans had an absolutely huge game. I think this is going to be a huge DeAndre Hopkins game. It's going to allow Will Levis to get in some rhythm, looking to throw him. Levis has looked better and better. Spears is starting to get a little bit more explosive. Henry historically has run well against this Colts defense. I think they're going to be able to lean on Henry. I think Levis is going to be able to make the throws, and I just don't think Colts are the secondary guys to stop Hopkins, and I think Simmons and company is going to be able to get to Minshew and make him uncomfortable. So I'm on the um, I'm on the Titans. We go to the Chargers at the Patriots. Chargers are a six-point favorite here on the road in New England. So the Chargers, they had a field goal drive on their opening possession against the Ravens. Then on the next seven possessions, six of the drives went 22 or fewer large, uh, fewer fewer yards. And the one that did go longer, it was a strip sack in the red zone for a turnover. They had four turnovers in the game, and it just crushed their chances of winning. And again, it was their best players. Allen, fumble. Eckler, fumble. Herbert, fumble and interception. They're down by three. They get the ball back with a chance to tie or win the game. Two minutes and 57 seconds left to go. They can only get it to the Baltimore 46. And then they actually have a chance to stop Baltimore and even get the ball back again. And they allow a garbage time touchdown, which not garbage time if you're someone who backed the uh, the Chargers in there at plus three and a half. But yeah, that was brutal. Like, honestly, yeah. like... That was that's a bad beat. When people talk about bad beats, that's one where you were always covering. You were covering with a chance to win, also, and it's just Baltimore's not trying to score right there. They're just trying to run out the clock and just barely pick up a first down. Most of the time, if guys do, they need they slide down and mm-hmm. don't even get into the end zone. Yeah. So that so, was just ugly. And it's just like it, he should have went down. It is what it is. Um, in terms of this game. There's this old saying that says the sports books are not your friends. Doesn't it seem like taking New England here is just too easy? Doesn't it seem like taking the six is the way to go? But when it's this easy, I don't want anything to do with it. Did you know the Patriots are the first team to lose back-to-back games while allowing 10 points or less? So this so this year, teams are 49-2. and two. When they've allowed 10 or fewer points, which means the Patriots are one and two and the rest of the league is 48. No, no, Jesus. When they've allowed 10 points. points. It's just absolutely 
insane. Um, you can run on the Chargers. I think it's going to be a big uh, Stevenson week. I think they're going to lean on that run game. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott could be a sleeper. My buy-in point for this would be seven. But, look, you're rolling with Zappy, who was great in college, but in the pros, he really hasn't looked that good. Um, how much are the Chargers going to fight? I mean, their season kind of looks over right now. It's going to take some dramatically weird stuff to for them to make the playoffs. Keenan Allen is having a remarkable – I've never seen a player have a good season like Keenan Allen, and it just seemed worthless, if that makes sense. I know. You know what I, I mean? Like, it's just completely wasted. Eckler – Third straight game with 10 catches. And it's just him, though. You know, they have no other playmakers. They're not getting the same from Eckler. Williams is hurt. Uh, Johnson's been nothing. And it's just Allen and, and nobody else. And then, I, for me, I watch Eckler – he only tries inside the 10. Like he, like as soon as he gets hit before the 10, he just falls down. He's a little inside hurt in that. The contract stuff messed with yeah. him too. He's trying to score a, a touchdown. Um, Patriots like, man, like both these teams to me just are kind of teams are just trying to get the season done. Maybe I'll look to the under here, but in terms of side, I really want, this was the hardest game for me to do anything with just because the number seems too high. So it takes me to the Patriots. But then I'm like, this just seems too easy, so I can't. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just stuck. Keep back. in mind that last week with the 12 and four favorites, it doesn't always happen the next week. But we're gonna get a big dog run coming up one of the next few weeks, right? Well, I don't. I don't have- that's the thing. Like right now, I was looking at it. This is the best week of like quote unquote public sides, best season. Uh, yeah. We're only 12 weeks in, and when you look at the next best season, this season is more than two times better than the second best season, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just absolutely unheard of, these like an anomaly. public favorites that are covering. So I just – I don't know. I'm just going to sit this out. Just This seems like way too, way too <laughs> easy to take the Patriots, and I can't get there. They missed a 35-yard field goal, and they had a chance to tie the game last week, the Patriots. Uh, they – you know, they – the whole thing about Belichick used to be him against rookie quarterbacks. They played an undrafted rookie quarterback, DeVito, and lost to him. Uh, they had more total yards, more first downs. They won the time of possession by almost nine minutes. Mac played the first half. He was bad. Zappy played the second half. He was bad. You let him down a great drive. You know what I mean? Like that Oh, first oh yeah, drive, right off the, the first drive was in. great. It looked and good. Like, it, okay. 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 I, completely, I was like, oh, sure. And then. They almost threw the same exact interception. It was like the same type of play. Uh, they had zero big-time throws put together and five turnover-worthy plays. If you were looking at pro football focus grades, there were 34 quarterbacks that were graded this week that took snaps, and they were ranked 33 and 34, the two of them. to get uh, Individually, they were both the two single-worst quarterbacks. Um, neither completed in a pass of more than eight air yards. They did run the ball, which I like to see. And for a team that's bad, like they can run the ball and they can stop the run. I'll probably get, if this stays at six, I'll get there. And if I'm, I'm definitely hoping for it to get up to seven, but I'll, I'll probably get in on, on this one too. How about this one though? Fourth game this year when they've had seven points or fewer, Tom Brady had 283 starts. They had five five times when they scored seven or fewer and they've done it four times this year alone through 11 games. The commanders are a nine and a half point 
dog. Oh, wow. Did that Patriots game just move right there, Eric? Look, we just saw it at six. Look at what, look at what it moved down to right here on, uh, on oh, DRF. Four and a half. Like, as we yeah. have it up, that thing went, took a big took a big hit right there. Um, as we go, Dolphins at the Commanders. And the Commanders are a nine and a half point home underdog in this game. Their defense has been getting absolutely torched lately. They allowed 8.6 yards per play to Dallas. And Dallas scored 45 points on nine drives. You know, after Dallas punted on their first possession of the third, Washington was only down by 10, and they're driving. It was third and one at the Dallas 39, and they couldn't pick up a first down on third or fourth down. They turned it over on downs, and it felt like ah, that was sort of a spot for them to get down either by seven or three, kick a field goal, any kind of a score there, and you're, and you're only down one, and you're in the game after that, I think – Dallas punted on their next possession, but then the next time they got it, they scored a touchdown, and then it was just the floodgates opened up. And Bland, man, first player ever with five pick sixes. He had another one. That was just incredible. For the Dolphins, they were better on third down last week. It had been a problem for them. They finished 11 of 16, but they turned the ball over three times. They're now 24th in the league, averaging 1.7 giveaways per game. They've turned the ball over two plus times this year against the Giants, the Chargers, the Bills, and the Patriots. And in the game against the Chiefs, that turnover was the reason they lost the game. So these turnovers have been impacting them. And now you've got Phillips, their best or second best defensive player, who's out with an ACL injury. He was their co-leader in sacks. So, you know, you know, Hill's great. Mostert's had a really good year, and he has three straight games with 80-plus yards. This feels it's got to be like the commander spot here, right? Taking this big dog at home. I got the commanders here plus Ted. I think the big thing we need to realize is it's December and Miami's traveling up north to the East Coast. Looking at the weather, it's going to be rainy, 10 mile per hour rain, and in the 40s. What is that going to do? That's going to kind of, that's going to neglect the speed that this Dolphins team has with Hill, Waddle, and company. I mentioned that 17-point trend before. Teams that won by 17, playing a team that lost by 17. Teams that lost by 17 are 60% against the number. Teams that lost by 35 points or more, 63% as a dog, 67%. Um, as a home dog, 67.4%. Um, team, since 2005, teams laying nine, nine or more on the road are 42%. ATS. I looked at two as splits at home versus the road. Completion percentage down. He has less TDs, more INTs, and he has more fumbles. So he has more overall turnovers on the road, and he's not being as productive playing away from Miami. I really feel this weather is going to be playing a good, um, a big part in this. And just looking at the history of the Vangio defenses, the one thing they really tend to struggle with is when they play deep mobile quarterbacks. And I know Howell's having a big year throwing the ball, but he is a mobile quarterback. That Especially if it's run. raining, right? And the weather's bad. Yep. I really just really feel that he is going to be able to extend plays and take advantage of these holes that the Dolphins defense does have. And it was a 10-6 game. And then that 100-yard INT return off the Hail Mary happened. That game was so fluky against the Jets. 
I think this commander's team is still kind of fighting for something. Yeah. Juan Rivera as a dog, great. He's close to 60% are against the spread against it. And it's hard for me, like, if this game was in Miami, I would definitely lean the Dolphins here. But with playing the, the, the um, Northeast, I'll definitely take the commanders here. I got to attend anything over nine I like. Yep, I'm agreeing with you too. I'm on the commander side here. We got the Carolina Panthers coming off the fired coach. Can they get the fired coach bump here? I mean, they didn't get to more than 14 points in November. They scored 15 or fewer, five games in a row, uh, and seven times in 11 games. They they had you know different coaches call the plays. Frank Reich did for a little while. They're currently 30th in total offense, 30th in passing yards per game. Young ranks 29th in the league in QBR. He's tied for fifth most in history with 40 sacks through a player's first 10 games. This is already going to be their sixth straight losing season. And that was, I mean, honestly, that was the shortest NFL coaching job, head coaching job in 40 years. Shorter than Urban Meyer, shorter than Hackett. They got rid of. Oh my of, God, uh, was shorter than Meyer? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. He It was shorter by like two weeks. And even, uh, even Hackett, both. Which is that's what I was saying. When you put it in that perspective, it's like he was just a bad coach, right? Like it was a bad decision to make him the coach, but he didn't embarrass you, right? He didn't do things like that. He just didn't do a good job connecting, and maybe you made the wrong decision with a quarterback. But man, it was like he was less, and he's been fired now in back-to-back years. I think he's the first coach ever to be fired in back-to-back seasons. So. Um, but with those contracts, I mean, he's going to be sitting. He's going to be chilling, sure. man. It's not like he's going to be struggling for money. Um, this team lost two offensive linemen during the game to injuries too. And they didn't even have a great offensive line when they were fully healthy or a very talented roster when they were fully healthy. And right now they're without a couple cornerbacks, five offensive linemen banged up a tight end, a wide receiver safety, all were out or injured in that game last week. So, Obviously, it's an ugly spot, and Carolina hasn't looked good, but do they get that? Do they get up for this game? And should Tampa, with what we've seen from them, be favored by five and a half, really, over anyone? Because their offense is up and down. They're streaky. Baker, last week, it was like a typical Baker game. He made some plays. He had two big-time throws. He also had a turnover-worthy play. He kind of kept them in the game, and then he, he like takes them out of the game with a bad interception. He got hurt, and then Trask came in. Trask threw one pass. It was an absolute dart that was incomplete. Uh, it was just hilarious because it was like, what the hell was that? It reminded me of the rookie of the year when he just throws the dart back from center field, and everyone was just like, who the oh. hell threw that thing? You know, it was that was sort of the moment there. Um, they actually did run the ball last week, though, even though they've been one of the worst teams the last few years running the ball. Their defense hasn't been as good. They're just, them and the Saints both kind of feel like they need a reset, right? Just sort of like they've got like some of these older personnel from some teams of theirs that had success a few years ago. And they just, they, they, they need to get like a young quarterback or figure out who their guy is and try to build around them or their coach. Like, I don't feel like they've got the right staff and the right head coaches either. I mean, do you, can we play the Panthers here, Eric? I did. And I hate myself for doing it. I'm doing it too. You got the bump. You mentioned the the coach bump. Um, 
it's like 54%. It's right at that break even point. Um, Bulls is a favorite, 47% against the number. Mayfield is a favorite, 35.1% against the number. But I really feel that this opens up the back door. I think that this is going to be a late touchdown by the Panthers that get this cover. Let's take Winfield out of the mix. Neil, safety. PFF graded 85 out of 88. These are the Bucks starting DBs. They have a couple people who are out with injury. You have McCollum, 110 out of 120. Ism, 89 out of 120. Davis, 100 out of 120. These are some bottom tier back four guys that I think are, I think Mingo is going to be. I like, I think Mingo has a great matchup. I think Phelan has a great matchup. I think Young is going to be able to throw the ball. The thing I really like when Wright wasn't calling the plays that they were doing is they were using a lot of motion. And why is motion important? It gives away if it's zone or man for a quarterback. And when you're doing, when you have a young quarterback, that is so important. I think that's going to be huge for him. Caldwell is becoming more involved. Jim Caldwell, former coach of the Lions, former coach of the Colts. Great offensive mind. I think he's going to put Young in a chance to succeed. Since 2005, road divisional dogs. 649 wins, 561 losses. Last five years, 57% ATS. I just think the trends and the spot are telling us that we need to take the Panthers here. Bryce and Young, baby! Who are the Bucks to be laying this many This is points? too much. This is too much. It should be and like a field goal-ish. Three and a half. I mentioned, like- now, I mentioned Caldwell, and if this comment comes off wrong i'm sorry i think caldwell is a great coach i think he got a raw deal i think the the bears should have hired him but someone that's constantly been passed over for a head coaching job unjustly like a like a caldwell that's a coach like that and he, i think he'd be great i think he'd help young i'm not a big bryce young guy but i think he would put young in a situation to succeed i think a coach that has been passed over unjustly like a caldwell i think that's who the panthers are going to end up getting yeah I can see that, especially if he has a little bit of success here with them and just seems like he has some good chemistry with, with young, mainly well, if young like likes someone else like that, someone that has gotten, like, no, no, that's the guy. That's the type. Yeah. Exactly. Like you're saying, yeah. it's someone who, who they don't need it. Right. But it's not, they're not going to get a bunch of other chances, you know, like there are guys that have been around and it's like a sort of safer, but he, he would honestly, I think they would be lucky to get him. Oh, right. 100%. Like, I, I think they're like, they would be lucky to get him. Cause I agree with you. I think he's a, he's a really good coach. A couple more games to discuss for week 13. Eric, I'm going to be attending my first live NFL football game this week on Sunday Rams playing the Browns. My buddy Don is from Cleveland. He's got season tickets to the Browns. So he goes to all their games, huge Browns fan, huge Ohio state fan. He came out here. We've had this planned out for like months with me and a bunch of my buddies when we saw this game on the schedule. So um, we'll be out there tailgating by the time this game starts. I'll, I'll probably be uh, out of it. So I probably won't really be knowing what the hell of a lot what's going on, but man, the Rams are favored three and a half. This actually moved. This was like a little bit higher, but the Cleveland quarterback situation still up in the air, but it looks like it's going to be the combo of old PJ Walker and uh, Footsteps Falco, Shane Footsteps Falco from uh, I think the replacement. Moved, I, I think the move was because of Garrett. Um, um, Garrett, Garrett. arm sleeve. It didn't look like he was going to be able to play, but now it's looking like he's trending in the right pr- 
right thing. And that's just a big thing because there's one quarterback I know the best in the NFL, and that's Matt Stafford. And the one thing that Stafford has struggled with throughout his whole career is pressure. With Garrett being there along with Smith, they're going to be able to get pressure, disrupt Stafford, make him uncomfortable. Rams are 23 DVOA against the run. What does that mean? The Browns team that is going to be rolling out there with more than likely Flacco, DTR could play if he gets out of the concussion protocol. But even if it's him, this is going to be turnaround handoff Ford, turnaround handoff Hunt, jet sweep Elijah Moore. This is going to be a run-based attack. And if the Browns are able to consistently average over four yards a rush, eat seven to eight minutes off the clock, this is their game script of winning this game. And I think they're going to be able to do it. I think they're going to be able to cover as well. And we've seen this, the zone blocking scheme that Skifansky runs is completely different than what Shanahan runs. And we've seen this when Lamar goes and plays the NFC, how he's perfect ATS. With the offensive system, the run system that Skifansky runs, it's the same concept. He is 13-4 and four overall against the number against NFC teams. And I really feel it's because no one in the NFC is running the zone running scheme that Skifansky runs. He is, as a dog, he's 7-0. and As a road dog, he's 5-0. and He just historically covers these numbers against the NFC. Um, Cup is not 100%. If Cup can't go, then you're going to be able to get the coverage over to – to um, Puka, Kyron Williams, I don't, Browns are one of the better teams against the run. I don't think Kyron Williams is going to have much success running the ball, which is going to put more pressure on Stanford to throw the ball with pressure in his face. And I mentioned just 17 point trend. This is another one of those 17 point trends that's 60% against the number when a team that lost by 17 plays a team that's winning by 17. I just like this Browns defense. And I think they have the best player on the field in Miles Garrett. And I think he's going to make life hard for Matt Stafford. And I'll I'll take the Browns here. I got him at like plus he, three. I, see, I'm going to I'm gonna have to wait till as long as possible with this one. Because initially, right off the bat, when I saw this come out, my first thought was like, absolutely, I'm playing the Browns. I, I got to make sure all these guys are as healthy as possible. Because they did have, like, if Garrett is not out there, I think it's completely different. I think their their defense is not bad, but they're mortal and i think the rams would be able to without all the pressure on stafford move the ball and honestly what scares me about this game just from both sides like you said if garrett's in there just the pressure and how quickly it could be trouble for stafford and cup does not look great he's had 48 yards or less and four catches or less in every game since week six, he was awesome. The first two games of the year, his last five games, he has not caught five passes or hit 50 yards in any of those games. I did like to see that they ran the ball. So that could maybe take a little bit of pressure off of Stafford. I'm not laying this with the Rams. No doubt about it. I got to wait a little closer to game time to see, because with Cooper and the ribs and then Garrett overall, if we, if we feel good about their health coming in, I think the Browns is the right spot in here. But man, I gotta say, for the uh, for the Rams, they probably look up at their schedule right now and feel like they have a legitimate chance to take care of business. Because hey, you're favored by three and a half in this game, 
playing against what's either going to be like a third or fourth string quarterback guy. That's either not played at all this year or PJ who's not been great. And you just never really know what you're going to get following that. They go at Baltimore, which is going to be a tough game, but then they come home they have Washington and new Orleans at home and they play a game at the giants. There's probably four between this Cleveland game, Washington, new Orleans at the giants, That's four winnable games for them. I'm not saying they win those games, but those are games on their schedule they look at and say, hey, we got a shot to win that game. The other two at Baltimore and San Francisco, those are tougher games. This team goes four and two. They're right there, right? They're right in the mix for uh, an NFC wildcard spot. They're five and six right now. So they got a lot to play for. Again, this one's funny in that I wouldn't have told you that both of these teams are actually playing for a playoff spot at this point of the year. And they are, this is a big game for both of these teams. If they want to try to stay alive, Cleveland cannot free fall right now. They, they got such good positioning after stacking some wins early in the year. They got to just get some competent quarterback play lean on the run. If Garrett's in there, they'll be pretty tough. Let's see what the injuries look like. Come Sunday. We move next to big game game of the week. How about this one? 49ers are favored by three on the road at Philly. So the Eagles have had the best record in the NFL for 31 straight weeks. They've been down double digits four times this year and come back to win all four of those. Uh, They're actually the first team since 1960 to be outgained by 90 yards four times and win all four of those games. Hertz has led them to eight consecutive games when trailing by double digits and 14 straight wins against winning teams. Win tied in a game or trailing. These are Hertz's stats. 71% completion percentage, 1,710 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception, league leading 114.4 rating. In the second half of games, when trailing, He's completed 67% of his passes, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 136 passer rating. They're down uh, by 10 after a three and out to start the second half. Buffalo missed a field goal. Eagles get the ball. They score touchdown, 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 three straight drives. They kick a field goal. They ended up scoring on four of their final five drives, and I believe they scored 31 points on their final six drives. Lane Johnson was hurt, so that hurt their chances to run the ball. And he's a major factor in this game. Fletcher clocks all also got hurt in that game, man. The Eagles have been one of those teams, Eric, that's like winning a few games that they have. They shouldn't have. They're not a bad fluky team. Like the Vikings were last year. They should probably just have like three losses instead of one, you know, something like that. It is very strange to see them. This an actual full three home dog against the 49ers, man, like this is one of those that you look at too and say, how do you not play the Eagles? Right. I mean, I look at it like this. Like I talked about this on my stream. I actually do think the Eagles are this year's Vikings. There just seems to be a team that gets every single bounce and just winning these games. They should. Well, here's, here's the the difference. What I'll say is they they've gotten the bounces, but overall the Eagles are probably like, they're a top 10 team in the league this year based on their metrics and stuff. The Vikings were a bottom 
they were like a bottom 10. So like the Eagles would be a player. I, I don't think they would be a bad team. They are getting lucky. They're getting all the bounces. That's what just scares the hell out of me about this spot because you feel like the game is coming for the Eagles sometime where it sort of all comes together. That being said, they shouldn't be a three-point home dog to really anybody in the league, I don't think. I mean, like looking at the Eagles, like when you look at their game against the Bills, James Cook dropped TD pass. Gabe Davis not looking up on the QB choice route. Bass missed two field goals. They're out gained by 100 yards. Because the Chiefs, the Kelsey red zone turnover, MVS dropped TD, again, being out gained by 100 yards. Against the Cowboys, Dak stepping out of bounds. If that doesn't step out of bounds there, and it was by like, that was a review that took forever in that game. They couldn't really tell when they said he stepped out. Cowboys get a field goal. They win that game against the Commanders. Um, they needed a 21-point fourth quarter to win that game. That was due to Howell and like a couple turnovers. Again, outgained by 100 yards. Eagles, in the last 12 games, they've been down by 10. Oh, sorry. The last four times the Eagles have been down by 10 or more, they have come back and won. So they're 4-0. The rest of the NFL in that time frame, 72-3-0-8. and I just think the Eagles are running well here. This number opened at San Francisco getting two and a half, and I wanted to bet it. And then right away, it was hammered where San Francisco was laying one. Now it's all the way up to three. I think this number has moved way too much. I think if you are going to bet it, you are going to bet the Eagles. But the main thing is Lane Johnson. If Lane Johnson's not there, you can't bet the Eagles in my thing just because of the pass rush that the 49ers have. And when you look at the Eagles defense, they got where it. do they struggle defending? They struggle defending the tight end and they struggle defending the slot. That's Kittle and that's Debo. They, their defense so, was on the field for 90 plays last yeah. week against the Bills. The 49ers got the three extra days. Also, like everything in this spot is the spot for the 49ers. But I, so I don't like, I can't lay the three with the 49ers. I, I'm not going to be surprised if they win this game by double digits just because it's a bad spot for Philly. They've had this murderer's row of a schedule too where they've played good team, good team, good team, three in a row, like we said. A couple games where like, they could have lost any of these games. Again, I mm-hmm. feel slightly different about it with Philly than I did with Minnesota last year because I know this is a good team and they were a good team last year and overall they have a good foundation so it's not like this bad team that's not doing anything. And they did score, and they do turn it on in the fourth. They just feel like a team that plays with their food a ton. I, I don't think that's going to work here, but I'm just – I'm staying away from it. I It just – to me, it's so shocking that Philly is th- a three-point dog. And if this does get to three and a half, I think just by principle, I have no choice but to play Philly at that. But – I think San Francisco probably wins this game pretty easily. And then I'm ready to bet against them. And maybe we can actually, if you liked Philly somewhere, you might be able to get some value on them, but I, I would expect to San Francisco to play really well in this game. And then everybody say they're the team to beat. There's no way they're going to lose. And then we play against them next week. And then also another way to do it is if you think the Cowboys are going to beat the Seahawks and then you think the 49ers are going to lose, beat the Eagles. The Cowboys, the Cowboys play the, the division. They're plus 650 to win the division. That's way you could play it here. Just kind of a different way of thinking about it. But the in terms of that, I did nothing 
Me nothing too. in this game. Yeah, because I, I initially I've been wanting to play against the Eagles. Unfortunately, like there's no value in playing against them this week. This is just not the spot to play against them when they're a three point dog at home. Um, yeah, I was hoping we. I had. I was. God, I was pissed off. I missed that San Francisco. And like the pick them or like, or yeah, San Francisco getting some plus money there. Cause this is just a game yeah. you feel like they're going to be ready for. They're going to play really well. And uh, we move to Sunday night football. We've got the Chiefs at the Packers, and the Packers have been playing some very good football lately. That's the only thing I will say for a lot of the folks that are just sort of piling on the Lions after that game last week. The Packers have quietly been playing well, and their offense has been playing well. Love looked good. Uh, they've won three of their last four. They The Packers scored 20 points in the first quarter, and then they just coasted the rest of the game. First play of the game, 53-yard pass to Watson, and then five plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Love was three for three on the opening drive, and he was under pressure 45% of the time. He graded quarterback number three on the number three on the week. He was number one based on a DYAR. Um, in the red zone, he completed all five of his passes for 49 yards and three touchdowns. And you know what? The Packers did a great job putting pressure on Goff more than 50% of the time. Gary was a beast. They did have their rookie kicker miss an extra point for the third straight game. Just something to monitor if they're going to be in close games. And this is another team that's got an outside shot to make a playoff bid right now. The uh, the Packers, they're a six-point favorite at home here. The Chiefs, last week, they did the opposite of what they've been doing. A lot of this year, they haven't been scoring in the second half. Last week, they were down early. Raiders get up 14-0 on them. And then in the first two drives... They have 13 yards following that 71 yards, a touchdown, 79 yards, touchdown, 75 yards, touchdown. They got Kelsey Moore involved and rice became the first chiefs rookie wide receiver with a hundred yards in a game since 2007. I think that was uh, Bo. Um, they played a clean game. The chiefs, they only had one drop, no fumbles, no interceptions there, but now they'll go on the road and play in a tough spot against a team that's playing well. That's young. Also, Eric, that's why this Packers team could really improve in the late points of this year because they have so many first and second year players out there or guys that are just getting reps. They could really get a lot better from game to game. Yeah, I I got the Packers here. I actually got this at seven off the openers right away. Something isn't right with this Chiefs team offensively. They're obviously missing Eric Bieniemy. The offense hasn't looked good. They're the worst scoring team in the second half. Offensive line hasn't get, looked good. I'm still shocked that the Raiders didn't cover that plus 10 for us last week. Panthers, defensively, especially the defensive line, has looked better each week. They actually dominated that Lions offense. They did, line. man. And that's a and good think, line. Even with the few pieces missing, they're still not a bad line. I think, yeah, and I think that line, even with those pieces missing, I think the Lions offensive line, I think it's better than the Chiefs offensive line. And I think they're going to be able to get to the backfield, create havoc against Mahomes. Mahomes is a favorite of three and a half or more, 46%. Road favorite, three and a half or more, um, 45, six and a half or more on the road, 41. We've seen this. I know it's down at six. It was six and a half when I made my notes for these. So non-conference dogs getting six and a half or more in Sunday night football, 60% against the spread. Also, like Packers go from early Thursday to late Sunday, too, right? So they get a lot of extra time off here. And I really feel like 
There's a lot of good quote unquote spot plays this weekend. And I think this is another one just because the chiefs are coming off beating a divisional rival in the Raiders. I know it's the Raiders, but still a divisional dog. And you have the bills on deck, the chiefs with this rivalry they've had with the bills are naturally going to be up for the game. Now you're going Sunday to Lambeau. I just think it's a good spot to fade him. Anything six or higher, I think you should take. I think Love's going to be able to pick apart the secondary of the um, of the Chiefs. We need to remember the Raiders, they were running the ball at ease. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a heavy A.J. Dillon week. Um, yeah, so I like the Packers here at six or higher for me. Uh, also on the Packers, we move to our final game, Monday Night Football. Bengals at the Jags. Jags are an eight and a half point favorite after uh, a nice win for them. They moved the ball really well through the air. I liked what I've seen from Lawrence the last few weeks. They were number two on the week in EPA per dropback, fourth on the week in dropback success rate. They didn't run the ball uh, really at all. The Texans are not bad at defending the run, though, as you were kind of pointing out. The Jags were 30th in rushing success rate, 28th in rushing EPA. They only had 2.8 yards per carry. They got stopped on a one-yard attempt from the goal line. Um, they were a little sloppy. There were a couple spots where they probably could have scored a little bit more, but overall, I liked the way they played and, and I really liked the way Lawrence played and the fact that they've been getting Ridley more involved. He had five catches for 89 yards and a touchdown and they're taking more shots down the field. They gained 445 yards, 6.5 yards per play, seven of 13 on third down. They had a turnover that led to a Texans TD. And then at first and goal that I mentioned, instead of taking the field goal, they tried to go for it with one second left to go in the half and they didn't pick it up. So they got nothing there when they could have gotten a free three. One thing to keep an eye on though, whether it matters in this game, winning or losing, I'm not laying the points with Jacksonville here. I'm not telling you to lay the eight and a half, but offensive tackle Robinson, who was out to start the year, he's now expected to miss, I think three to six weeks. So that could hurt their chances just against better teams it's just hard for the Bengals with Browning to move the ball down the field. They only had 10 first downs last week. It's not like he had a horrible game, but his biggest pass came on a 39 yard screen play. I think he had one pass of 10 plus air yards. He threw a bad interception. There were a couple other throws that could have been intercepted. I think he finished court graded quarterback 31 on the week. Uh, only PJ and the Patriots quarterbacks were graded below him. And, and with him, with the Patriots, with the Giants, with some of these teams that are starting the the low-level the quarterback play that's not great right now, everybody's going to stack the box against them, and it's going to be hard to run until these quarterbacks can prove they can hit a pass, they can hit a receiver in one-on-one -on -one coverage, because otherwise you're just going to have extra men up front putting pressure on these guys, making it difficult on them, and I just... I want to get to the Bengals here. I just have a hard time because I couldn't see them run the ball well enough last week. This one's a stay away for me, Eric. I got five or six I other spots on the board. Too. I really want to get there too. I mean, if this get if this keeps if on it gets climbing, to ten, I'm if this gets to ten, I'm in. You know, I'll really get there. Bengals obviously have some defensive issues. Since 2005, this really stood out to me. Home favorites are 46% against the number on Monday night football. Um 46.3% when they're laying seven or more. I do think this line on this Jags team is a little overvalued. I don't, I'm not high enough. Travis ATN, we've seen he's starting to slow down. He's starting to get banged up. He's starting to get hurt. Lawrence to me just hasn't shown me anything. I know he had like a good game, but the throws in my eyes still aren't there. He's not this big generational guy everyone's talking about. 
I don't think he's I don't think he's that good. I think the narrative on him is kind of flipped the other way to where I've watched him the last couple of weeks. It felt to me like a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, he was struggling. And then I think I when I was from what I was reading on a couple of the Jags, I sometimes I like to dive into some of the team stuff just to get curious about like injuries or maybe there's some news or stuff that I might have heard. They they were seeming like he was pretty banged up for a while. That wasn't like out there that he was like a massive injury, but he just wasn't as mobile and it seemed like he was favoring it. I'm I'm a little higher on him leading this team. The only problem is like when you start matching them up, like what can it look like for them? But they might be able to get the number one seed based on their schedule. You know, like they may be able to get a, to get a buy. And then all of a sudden, if you put yourself in a spot where you don't have to face as many of these good teams, like back to back to back weeks, um, could they beat a team like, I don't know, like the bills at home or a team like the dolphins at home? Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe they would probably be a dog. I I think I I bet you, you and I in that spot, I bet you, you and I would be playing the Jags. Cause I bet you if they were hosting the dolphins, it would be like Miami minus two. And we'd be playing the home dog Jags there off the bye. I, I'm not quite sure they're as overvalued. Like this is a line that I would never play. I don't know if the, the public perception of them is like, is that high. So I'm kind of curious over the next few weeks, how they are, because they might be a team as we get closer that I play. Cause I think they might just be situated well with, like not the most difficult schedule and some winnable games here, but nothing really that we dive into on this final game of this is the biggest number Lawrence has laid in his career. Wow. This this is the biggest favorite he has ever been in his career. Um, The one thing where we could see this is the Jags run like a pass funnel type system. Everything's funneled in the middle. That's where Jake Barrow likes to, target so maybe he could get into a little bit of rhythm lawrence is only 25 percent against the number as a home favorite to me with a team with some offensive line issues a team that i feel is kind of at their market value i feel we should be on the Bengals, but i kind of feel like this is going to be a number that continues to grow yeah I agree with you. I The Bengals are the side here, no doubt about it. Nobody wants to play them. And then Jacksonville is coming off of a nice-looking win last week where we both think that, like the Texans are a legitimate opponent. They're battling for a playoff spot. But it, the Jags come off of the nice win versus like two weeks ago when they come off of that bad loss. So you're you're right in that. They are more overvalued right now. And this is a big number, as uh, you pointed out, the biggest one that Lawrence has laid. Eight and a half, and it might even get to double digits. That really wouldn't shock me there. So, Eric, you and I will have the winning ticket on Friday. We'll talk some college football. We'll talk some best bets at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Then you are also going to have your podcast that comes out a little later on this week. I think you're going to have Chad Cooper on, talk a little uh, CM Punk also, right? Yeah, Chad will be on. We will talk um, some CM Punk. What does that mean for AEW? What does that mean for um, WWE? Where is that going to go and everything? Um, my buddy David and I, will we do this segment where we give out our best four best bets. I give out a player prop and a side. He gives out a first half, excuse me, and a side. And then I build you a DFS lineup. So it'll be a nice little, nice little show. Make sure to check that out if anyone's interested. And then we'll have a... 
NFL betting blitz this weekend. I think we're going to go a little bit early on Sunday, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. That way I can get out and get nice and uh, drunk and, uh, and tailgate early on for the Rams game. Eric, buddy, we'll be following you at ETOF21 on Twitter and ETOF21 Sports, all other places. Anything else to mention before we get out of here? Oh, uh, no. Let's uh, let's have a profitable week. Hopefully some dogs can cash and still trying to figure out Circa. I'll sleep on it tonight and I'll put my pick in first thing in the morning. Okay, well, fingers crossed. We wish you the best of luck there. Keep staying alive. Thanks so much, folks, for hanging out with us. If you're listening on the podcast, still have a lot more coming up. If you're following on social media there, make sure to give us both a a follow and check out more of the content. We'll have uh, more football content in the next few days leading up to the games for Week 13. Good luck. NFL season is winding down. A big thanks again to Eric for helping us out every week, every single game. And you can also catch us on Friday, DRF Sportsbook, at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, the winning ticket where we give out best bets and we talk about all the college football games. Uh, this weekend, we'll hit the college football championship game, the conference championship games. And then on Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. This week, we're going to go a little bit earlier. We're going to go 10 a.m. Eastern Time because I'm going to be heading out to the uh, the Rams-Browns game myself. So we move from NFL into horse racing. Let's talk Friday, Gulfstream Park. December the 1st is opening day at Gulfstream on Friday. You know, I was going through the card. I couldn't find a ton of really value plays that I loved, but I did find one I wanted to share with you in race number eight. It's a five furlong turf sprint. They're going to be back on this turf course. They haven't been running on the grass there for a while. And I like the number four in here, Axeltham. Uh, This horse had a good start last time out. Overall, he's been really consistent when you just look at his form. He was at Keeneland going five and a half. This race is five furlongs on Friday at Gulfstream. And Axel Thumb in that five and a half race was sitting a really nice second. He was in the two path. He was right close to the lead. And he was within a length. He moved up to second to challenge. He was repelled and he finished third that day. I thought it was a really nice effort. Just lost to a horse who couldn't get by. And in this spot now, third start of the form cycle, third start off the bench, should be in a really nice striking position here. I think it's a good spot for this 6-1 to one shot to run really, really well in race number 8 at Gulfstream. So that's the number 4 in race number 8 at Gulfstream Park, 6-1 to one on the morning line. If you can get anything around 4, I think that's fair value there. So 7-2 or two or above, 7-2 to two or above feels like the uh, the price that we want to demand. So there's Gulfstream for Friday. Let's move on over to Woodbine with a couple plays at Woodbine. Meet winding down at Woodbine. Not many opportunities up there yet for uh, 2023. So we'll be talking Woodbine every racing day that remains right here. And on Friday, there's a $50,000 guaranteed pick five pool that starts in race number two. I'm going to have uh, plays in races two, four, and six. So a couple horses that you can throw in and use in your pick fives along the way. Race number two, let's start with the six, Bill Needle. This guy's going to take the blinkers off. His most recent race was against a little bit better. It was at a higher claiming level, and it was at this same distance. He had a good start. He settled fourth. He was in the second flight. He was in between horses, just about two or three lengths off. He made a nice three-wide move up the challenge, but he was all in early. Now he drops, and the blinkers come off. I think he can relax a little bit more in here. I could see him sitting a great, great trip. It looks like Chicago Freddy's the horse that will be on the front end. I think Bill Needle could be sitting 
think second or third. There's not that many other horses who have natural speed. And Bill just seems like faster early than a lot of the others in here. So hopefully he can sit a nice trip in here in uh, not on the lead, but maybe just not too far behind it and fall into a really good spot. He's 12 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything six and above, I think that's fair value there. Let's go to race number four. For our next play, we're going to look at the 8-1 to one shot on the morning line here, the number 8, Spanish Serenade. So this guy's going to wheel back quickly, and I like what we've seen from him recently. He showed a little bit of ability when he dropped down to the lower levels. He started his career just a little bit too, in a little too tough, and then once he dropped down to the lower maiden claiming levels, like right around this spot, the maiden $7,500 level, he ran well. And he showed some really good efforts at the maiden level before finally putting it all together and breaking his maiden. And what I like about that race on November the 23rd, when he finally got the job done, he showed career best speed that day. He wasn't right on the lead, but he was just much more forwardly placed. And I think that will help him in this spot where he has to cut back to six furlongs. So he should be able to at least be in striking range with this group, and now he'll have more punch on the cutback here. So um, I really like Spanish Serenade in this spot. They're going to wheel him back quickly. That race was just, what, eight days ago on November the 23rd. I think he sits a nice spot in here, and he'll have a little bottom on the cutback. Spanish Serenade is 8-1 to one on the morning line. I had him pegged more like a 5-1 to one shot in here. If we can get anything in that range, I think that's very fair value on him. And let's move to race number six. I'm going to look at the number nine in here. This one's 10 to one on the morning line. This horse is named Might Be Speedy. The overall body of work for him, he's a horse that I like because it all makes sense. You see a few times where he was in a little bit tough and one time when he had trouble. Other than that, he's really fired in a lot of his races and the last couple in particular that are in similar spots where he's at the claiming levels from $7,500 to the $15,000 level against some of these same rivals, he's been right there. And if we look at the September 14th race in particular, that was a race at six and a half furlongs against a little bit tougher. And Boxer Brief is the number two. Boxer Brief is three to one on the morning line. Might be speedy is 10 to one. On September 14th, they raced against each other. They finished second and third. They were right next to each other. And might be Speedy actually was right on the lead. He settled second. And then he got shuffled back a little bit in between horses. He moved to the inside. He moved into traffic. He kept trying and he angled out. And he was right behind Boxer Brief that day. And he had legitimate trouble. So I'm I'm all over the nine in here at 10 to one on the morning line. I thought he was more like a five to one shot in here. I think if you get anything in the five to one or above range, let's make a win wager there on might be speedy. Three plays for you on Friday at Woodbine. Good luck there. Don't forget about that early pick five. It starts in race number two. You can play for just a 20 cent based wager. There's a $50,000 guaranteed pool in the sequence. Good luck on Friday at Woodbine. Let's make the move on over to Del Mar for Friday. Look at races two, four, six, and eight for Del Mar on December the 1st for Friday. So let's take a look at race number two, first time starter. Someone like you, Brian Corner. 
trains this one really good first out barn and if you watch some of the works in the morning this filly's really flashed some ability I don't think it's the strongest race in the world I'm not a fan of a lot of the efforts that we've seen from some of our rivals I think they're all just okay and she has three turf siblings that tried the grass two of them were winners the other was 0 for 1 and that fourth was in a stakes race on the turf she looks like she's got a little something in the mornings I've been roaming around, always looking down at all I see. Yeah, you're, you're going to be singing that. You're going to be singing that when this horse wins. I know you will. Let's move to race number four, where we take a look at Gerwig, the number nine. I don't think this horse will be 15 to 1 on the morning line, but even if she was half of that, I would still think that's fair. I have her pegged more like a 6 to 1 shot in here. Her pedigree is very, very nice. Her dam was a winner on the turf, and she has produced eight siblings that raced on the turf, six of them won. And she's a full sibling to multiple graded stakes winner on turf and millionaire Camelot kitten. She's also a full sister to Bobby's kitten, who is a grade one Breeders' Cup turf sprint winner and earned 1.3 million. So there is a monster pedigree here for this one. And I actually thought her race, she had a fine start. She was right with the leader. She was in between. She was in the two paths. She settled fourth. She got pushed back a little bit. She was in a nice striking spot. She kind of loomed up and then nada. She's been off for a few months. She comes back. I think she's going to take a big step forward in here. The number nine, Gerwig at 15 to one. But again, probably won't be that price. Anything over six still feels fair. Let's move to race number six. The number nine, teen drama. Oh, sign me up for one of those. Anything teen drama TV shows? Oh, fish, give me a fish out of water. Guy from the wrong side of the tracks. Something like the OC. Oh, sign me up for some teen drama. The number nine in here. So teen drama was claimed by D'Amato on October the 7th. Had a slow start that day. She moved down to the inside. She was fifth. She was about five lengths off and she moved into traffic. And she had her momentum stopped. She just had nowhere to go. She moves to the two path. She gets up to about third before fading. But, you know, she was not that far out of a group. There was five horses that finished between third and sixth. Actually, between second and sixth because the winner won pretty easily that day. And she was not far out of that, the, like the back of that group. But it just looks a lot worse on paper because she was seventh. When you watch the race, you see she's right in with that group. She just fades late. That was going six. Now she cuts back to five where she's been really good. This is where she's been her best. Actually, all three of her career victories have been going this trip. She's six to one on the morning line. I think she's a really nice fit in here. Teen drama. And we move to race number eight. This is my final of the plays for Friday at Del Mar. The number seven talk about drive for show after a slow start he was making up ground late just looked like more distance would help him another horse who has a really nice pedigree he's a half to a horse named rallis who was grade two placed on the turf a half to another horse who's a multiple stakes winner on the grass three winning turf siblings expecting him to step forward on the stretch out he's six to one on the morning line if we can get four or above i think that's fair value on the number seven drive for show that's closing out the Del Mar Friday card. Best of luck on Friday. Let's turn the page and move on over to Saturday racing. 
Saturday Aqueduct. Uh, really nice card. You've got the Grade 2 Demoiselle in race number 7, and you've got graded stakes that follow uh, four in a row leading to the Grade 2 Cigar Mile on Saturday at Aqueduct. Let's talk about these races, starting with the seventh race. I like the number five in here, Vino Rogue, who, Vino Rouge, Rogue, Rouge, <laughs> who was fifth on the outside, was three deep, was in between, just a couple lengths off, but was wide and made a really nice bid up the challenge, kind of loomed up, but it was a clear cut second that day. Shimmering Allure ran right by, but I feel like there's a little more with Vino Rouge because the blinkers are going to come on. I'm expecting him to be forwardly placed and really aggressively handled in here. It just does not look like there's that much early speed. I think he could be right there early on, um, along with maybe one or two others. Uh, I think he's got a good opportunity in here, again, to improve. And let's see if the blinkers can just give him a little more focus and maybe get him a, a little more alert early. That's race number seven at Aqueduct. This course is 8-1 on the morning line. If we can get five or above, that's fair value to me. For the Gopher Wand... Some of the horses who jump out to me on paper, just from a value-based standpoint, I thought the three Venti Valentine was really interesting. So, so the seven is the horse that jumps out to me as the horse to beat. Good Sam, lightly race Philly with some upside. She's done nothing wrong. If you watch a few of her races, they're very good. She'll stretch out a little. She's already won at the mile trip. And from the outside, they should have some options. If he wants to go, if he wants to sit with her, she should be in the mix throughout. I think she's the horse to beat. Kind of against gerrymander of the shorter prices, so I'll take a shot against Gerrymander. I'll, I will include Venti Valentine all over. She was on a, a muddy track last time out, but prior to that, she had really nice races against New York Breds at Saratoga, and then over at Finger Lakes against the field, she was much better than. She just dusted them there. What's nice about her form overall, though, she's really versatile. She's shown that she can sit close. She can kind of come from four or five lengths out of it and pass horses if she has to. So... She's won in different ways. She's run some of her best races at Aqueduct. And I think she'll offer you a little bit of value in here because she doesn't have some of the bigger speed figures recently. And then Dr. B is a little a bit of a wild card also. Another horse who's certainly capable with her best efforts. She's kind of an in and out on form because recently she's faced some tough company. So I did the three on top with the seven and the two as horses to use around in all exotics there. Race number nine is the grade two Rems in mile and an eighth for two-year-olds. I thought the 10 private desire with a horse who hooked a sloppy track in the debut in his second start, the only time he was able to get close to the lead, he won nicely and earned a big 94 buyer speed figure in doing so. Then comes back in his third start, doesn't get off well, can't show that type of speed, and I think he just put a line right through it. There's other speed in here, and he may get torched early if you know some of the others all go. I think if you're playing a pick four or pick five, you have to throw him in because there may be just versions of this race where he runs away and hide and, and hides from this field, and he's a really nice horse who's just had a couple of excuses in two of his three races. The seven was really impressive visually. Sierra Leone, well, they paid $2.3 million for this horse, so you'd hope it was a nice one. She... I say I say she. He was fourth, fifth. He was on the outside. He was in the three path. He got kind of shuffled back a little bit. He was 
in the three path and in between in a little bit of traffic he just had nowhere to go he waited he angled around four wide and when he did so he had to lose some ground and kind of build his momentum back up again but he mowed them down with ease and was wrapped up late visually very impressive I'll use all over the place along with the five drum roll please I like the victory last time out shown progression as far as just a little more tactical speed in each has faced tough company Going to have to prove a little bit on Dornich, the brother to Mage. He's a little quirky, so I'm going to I'm gonna try to beat him in this spot. I'll go 10, 7, and 5. And then moving to race number 7, it's the grade 2 Cigar Mile. I thought there was going to be a pretty good amount of speed in here with the inside horses. You have Coastal Mission who wants to go. You've got Ever So Mischievous who wants to be close up. You've got uh cassius who wants to be close up and forwardly placed i think just the combination of those three then you add in awfully cool to the mix you add in accreditive who's shown a lot more speed recently since you know stretching out a little bit more you've got hoist the gold who's coming out of those quick sprint races and pipeline also i could see all combinations of those horses you know two three four five of them all wanting to be forwardly placed it sets up pretty well to me for three technique who's going to go third start of the form cycle now, has tons of pace to chase in here. He's proven at Aqueduct. He comes out of the Breeders' Cup Sprint where he was eighth that day. He was a big price. He faced tough company. From a speed figure standpoint, he actually ran his race. He just ran into better horses that day. And this is not a strong field for the Cigar Mile. It's a contentious field. It's an, an intriguing betting race. It's a fun field for a pick four or pick five. He absolutely could win this race with a top effort and with the the type of trip. And he's coming into this race, third start off the bench. Two back, he ran a fine third behind Zozos and Stage Raider. There was nothing wrong with that effort. The number seven, three technique is eight to one on the morning line. Anything around five, I think is fair value on him. That is Saturday at Aqueduct. Four stakes races on the card to close things out. Good luck on Saturday at Aqueduct. Let's move on over to Gulfstream Park opening weekend there so we'll talk some golf stream saturday opening weekend at golf stream park so let's talk some saturday december the second you can hear in my voice it's a little uh nasally i've got the uh, the phoebe buffet you know sexy voice from friends when she gets sick and she's singing smelly cat that's what we're rocking with right now as uh golf stream saturday three plays for you races two eight and nine race number two i'm gonna look at the number seven this is a maiden special weight for two-year-old fillies going six and a half on the dirt. I thought Moss Vino's debut was fine. She was a half step slow. She recovered. She was up to battle for the lead. And she was on the inside of one rival where it's it's tough to be down on the inside when you're battling. She was head to head. And then when a couple others from the outside moved up, she got shuffled back. And when she got shuffled, a lot of times horses just stop. No, she didn't stop. It wasn't like she was done and she packed it in. She really kept trying there and she re-rallied and she was a clear-cut third that day. I think she's drawn well to the outside. She can sit off a little bit here. She won't be as forced from down on the inside. The number seven, Moss Vino. Eight to one on the morning line. If we can get anything above five, I think that's fair value on her. Let's move to race number eight at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. We'll look at back-to-back races in the eighth and the ninth race eight i'm looking at the two no one to blame very consistent string of the last five races since that long period off from 
you know, towards the end of 2021 all the way to middle of 2023. No one to blame. Came back, was a winner right away. Since then has run really good races against tough company. And last time out at Churchill got caught up on the lead and was going a little farther. Now back to the mile. The key to me, I think we'll just get a much better trip coming from off the pace because there's a lot of other speed in here. Just horses that are much quicker than her early on or than him early on, no one to blame. So I think he's going to be much more patient in here, sitting a nice ground-saving trip, fourth or so, saving ground, and you know we'll see if he's good enough. But I think he'll have every opportunity here. I think he fits really, really well, and he'll get a good trip down on the inside. No one to blame is 5-1. to one. Anything over 7-2, to two, that makes sense to me. Race number 9, right next door, on the synthetic, I'm just going to go back to the one Armstrong who's been so good in all the synthetic races, and he's pretty versatile too. He doesn't want to be way, way out of it, but in his last start, he was sixth of seven. He was about four lengths out of it early, and he showed us he can come from a little farther back. I think with the inside draw, he'll be able to save all the ground in here, and I'm going to give the one Armstrong a shot at six to one on the morning line. Anything over four, I think that's good in race number nine at Gulfstream on Saturday. So a couple plays for you. Races two, eight, and nine at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Good luck. We move next to Woodbine for Saturday. They have stakes races in the eighth and the ninth. Let's dive into those two a little bit. First in race number eight, we have two-year-olds going six furlongs, Ontario Breds in the Clarendon. It does look like um, the one, the two, really, really fast. The five, six, and seven could all be flashing speed in here. So that leaves me with the two closers. And then you look at the two of them, Midnight Mascot, the three, Cooler Man, the four. I think they both make a lot of sense. Midnight Mascot is a horse who's going to get a lot more money, is a horse who's coming out of a graded stakes race. But Cooler Man could probably get the same sort of trip, will be a way bigger price And if you watch his race, he had a slow start. He was about seven lengths off. He made a quick move outside up to fourth and then a nice sustained rally three wide. And he went by the three to five favorite there. It was like a couple moves. And I think just from a value-based standpoint, give Cooler Man a look in here if you're playing any multis or if this horse is a really fair price around, you know, six to one or above. Right next door. It's the Shady Well, race number nine, six furlongs on the synthetic. This one's for the two-year-old Ontario-bred Phillies. And I thought Van Du, just from a, a price standpoint, again, would be the one that I would lean on. Van Du's first few races, they were not bad. She wins first time out of the box. She's third in a stake, second out. And then in her third start, she... I thought she was sitting in a pretty good spot and she just kind of didn't go on with it, but she really took a nice step forward in race number four and she progressed with speed figures as well. And in here, in this type of a field where you have some lightly raced fillies, I just like the fact that she's got some speed. She's one from on the lead. She's one from off the pace. She's also a multiple winner and she's got some foundation in here with her four starts compared to a lot of the rest of the field who you just see with one or two starts. Only Red Eleanor also has the uh, the four other starts. So I think she's got some foundation, some fitness, some versatility to her. And when she perked up last time, she proved that on on a speed figure standpoint, she fits with this group. So there's Vandu for me at six to one 
on the morning line. If we can get anything around four and above, I think that's fair on Vandu. A look at Woodbine Saturday. Good luck on Saturday at Woodbine. We finish up the racing with Del Mar Saturday. Let's look at December the 2nd, races 3, 5, and 8. In the third race at Del Mar on Saturday, I'm looking at the number one, Unconquerable Keen. I think from the inside draw, he could be really, really tough. He's actually shown that he can sit off a little, but I think he's going to be sent in there. I liked his last effort. He had a slow start, but he was up to second. He pressed, he stalked, he pounced, and now... With an aggressive rider like Brad aboard, I could actually see him going. I think it's probably between him and see through it who might be the quickest in here. So I'd actually be fine with a really aggressive ride on Unconquerable Keen. Moving to race number five. Horse who I saw actually training a little bit in the morning in the uh, days leading up to the Breeders' Cup, Mo Fox Given, the six in race number five. This is the Jimmy Durante. Mo Fox Given was actually on the undercard um, of the Breeders' Cup races and I think the one of the races right before. And Mo Fox was out in the four-path going into the turn and was just really wide early, was sitting second then and then moved to the lead early on in the stretch. And I thought it was a pretty good effort from Mo Fox given I think just that wide trip early caught up with her a little bit. But I, I like all of her races so far. She's actually shown that she's got some tactical speed in a couple of them. And then in the other race, she came from way, way out of it. So she's got some um, the ability to, you know, be placed in different spots in this race in a big field. The number six, Mo Fox given six to one on the morning line. Anything around five is where I'd, uh, I'd make a win wager on her in this wide open race. And then we move to race number seven. It's the Hollywood Derby. I am a fan of the, the horse who won the Twilight Derby last time out, Seal Team. So if you're playing any type of, you know, pick fours, pick fives, anything like that, I would include Seal Team. But if you're watching the race back, Ryquist was also in that race. Ryquist finished fourth, but was only beaten half length. He was in a little tight early. He drew the rail that day. He had a pretty good spot inside. He was fifth, maybe about two lengths off. He moved up to um, the third, and he was traveling really well. He was waiting for room, waiting for room. He moved off the rail in the two-path nicely. He just sort of, you know, when you have to move from off the rail, your momentum isn't built up as much. You got to sort of build it up again. And some of the other, like, SEAL, uh, SEAL team, had a not necessarily a better trip, but was able to really get the the wheels going. And I thought Ryquist ran really well in there too. And he's ten to one on the morning line, so he fits really well from a class standpoint. And he just might be offering you a lot better price. Throw him into some of your late exotics. The number three Ryquist ten to one on the morning line. Anything you know six or above feels fair. So that's a look at Del Mar for Saturday. Good luck. We had a lot of Friday and Saturday racing for you this week. Hopefully we can lead you in the right direction a few times. We finish up with this week in wrestling. Chad Cooper joins me to talk about CM Punk and he returns to WWE, AEW, WWE Survivor Series, Monday Night Raw. We talk about NXT, everything going on in the world of wrestling on this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, 
your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. And right before we started recording, Chad, you and I were talking a little bit about how in the four years or so since we've been doing this show, things have changed so much for these companies from WWE to AEW. There have been times where we came and sat down and said, gosh, things really aren't going well in WWE right now, or they're struggling, and it is just not the case right now as WWE feels like they're the center of the universe. Oh, hey, did you hear there was uh, something with CM Punk this week? Did something happen over the weekend? Did I miss something? <laughs> I think who, we, who, wait a minute. Who hit the transfer uh, portal? Oh, in the red. Oh the, yeah, the pro wrestling a, transfer portal. That's a portal. good call, right there, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, I think the Google Trends were up on CM Punk <laughs> from from Holy what M- MJF would like to say. And we're gonna get all into wrestling, but I will. I do want to give you just a quick cheap plug. Damn, you had a fantastic weekend with your wagers, huh? With your sports hey, wagers. I did. I did. I did. Man, who? Who? NFL too. NFL and college, that's a tease. We'll talk to Chad at the end if he has any games that he likes for uh, conference championship week. But, man, you've been seeing the ball really well. So I just wanted to let anyone, everyone know if you're a fan of college football and football, at the end of the show, Chad usually gives us a couple plays, and they have been rolling. He's had another really good year. There are just a couple weeks during the middle of the year that will run lulls, but, like, back-to-back really good years. Koopa Loop. Um, Well, Let's talk all about it, Chad. Yeah, yeah. Direction has changed, right? Right. Uh, this is definitely not a Vince McMahon company anymore. If if you think, if you still one of those conspiracy theorists who think Vince McMahon has his hands or fingers or a fingernail on any of WWE's actions, um, you are mistaking this. Uh, you know, the, the old verbiage, what, never say never in professional wrestling. You and I, we, we brought up this last week when we were talking about Survivor Series, and that was at the at the end of it. Do we think CM Punk's going to show up? And both of us said no. You, what, you, we both had our reasons. I, I think the, the main reason is why you didn't really need him. I mean, it's all, I, I mean, WWE is the, 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 the product not that it was bad, but that we we seem to have more lulls than good. It, it seemed like we were just waiting for WrestleMania season, you know, or maybe a couple of weeks before SummerSlam things would get good. What Triple H has been able to do and turn this, not turn it around, but just turn on other aspects of WWE has just been remarkable at what he's done. I mean, the, he had the energy, uh, right? Just like yeah. the feel, the feel the early, from us. quick pop, right? Remember how everything was good? Then, you know, we kind of got used to things. Then we're like, okay, what's next? What's If he can do this, what's next? If he can do this, this what's next? Um, and now that the company was, was, was purchased by the parent company of the UFC, Things are just completely different now, and uh, it just goes to show you really never say never, and there's a lot of goods, and there there's a lot of bads that this thing brings on. Um, the goods, I mean, holy cow, you talk about grabbing headlines. We, we You and I always talk about AEW seems like to love to grab these, these social media headlines and never go through with much anymore after that. They can let it kind of flounder. 
man, what a weekend, right? I mean, it, it was on ESPN. I, I mean, this just wasn't, you know, ESPN's talking to Roman Reigns this week about his big match at WrestleMania, right? This was, uh, there was smoke, you know, there was a lot of people talking about it going into it. Um, there's a lot of reasons uh, that they probably signed him. Uh, but man, oh man, what a what a fascinating Survivor Series! What a fascinating weekend! And CM Punk is back. Um, wow, I, I, I and, wouldn't have thought of that. That was, me neither. I didn't say that. We can talk about this from so many different directions too. Like I think you and I were talking about it from a what would we do, right? Would we bring CM Punk back? No, you know what? Things are going great in the company right now. You don't know where his head is at. The last time we saw him, he was blasting yeah. WWE on TV. He was like ruining well, a company. A this lot was of people it. already forget about the podcast. Remember, he was on Colt Cabana's podcast. That's how it all started. This is how it all triggered. He blasted <laughs> Roman Reigns. Out of that. He, yeah, he, and him he, and Colt Cabana were best friends. They're not even friends. They hate each other's guts. They were best friends. Um, he... He, so he there was crap about the WWE ringside physician and it, it, it just got really, really ugly. And you thought, okay, if there was ever any door then for him to come back to the WWE, it was, it was closed. And then he signs with AEW. Now you're like, okay, it's really over now. Right. And as you said, he talked about WWE just all the time. And so I wasn't expecting the WWE to go down that that rabbit hole right now but we saw what it does and and whether or not you like cm punk whether or not you think it was a good idea whether or not you think wwe needs cm punk whether or not you think up uh, in a month he's gonna just do the same sort of a thing there's no denying the attention that he gets there's no denying the buzz that they got all weekend and i think I'm going to try to take this in two different ways. I'm going to say, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone and got out, got punk there. But it's the same way that I feel like when I'm watching AEW. I'm not critical of AEW because I don't like it. We're going to talk about AEW in a little bit. I sent you a video last week where I was like, man, I love what they did here with the recap of the tournament. And it just in like two or three minutes, it's able to show people what's been going on. If you haven't been paying attention, it catches you up. There are things I think that are done really well. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to say, yeah, I wouldn't have done it. It may not turn out well, but if they can do this right, if they can get the best out of Punk, if he can be motivated, and if they can, you know, not have to lean on him for every single week, every single show, every single event, and he can be someone who is in some big matches for the next year or so, I think there's a lot of money to be made from punk and you don't put a situation where your whole punk company is punk to where if it doesn't go well, okay. It's like, it's like a good sports team. You, you pull him and you just move on. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, the so I don't think there's that much of a bad here now that I'm no, looking well, at it that way. <laughs> well, look, the run with AEW was disastrous. It just was, it was, a disaster. Uh, CM Punk, and, and, and I will, but I will say, it it it, it was. There's no describe. There, there's no the denying that. It was okay. In and, the beginning, it was, it was okay. It, it was actually like the. Remember, it's funny because the very beginning. What's funny? A lot of people were critical of this promo, and, and we'll get a little more into it because he didn't really say much. 
in the promo, right? He, 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 I didn't want him to say much no, right away. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You, you, you've got a, a lot to do and a lot to tell. But remember, you and I said the same thing when he showed up in AEW at the beginning. We were saying the exact same thing. We were like, hmm, this is kind of, you know, he's just sort of being happy-go-lucky. This isn't all that interesting. And then, boom, he got into some feuds. And that's when things perked up when he started, when he went one-on-one with MJF and they could cut promos when he got into it a little bit with Hangman. And then, so the middle part, he had a a few good feuds, a couple of good matches. And then we saw the durability and, you know, he's a little bit older. And, and then afterwards, like his behavior, and I don't know exactly what happened from all sides. It was childish from him. It was childish from the young bucks and Kenny, Tony Khan and all like, it was bad. It was a disaster, but now he just, it's not going to happen in WWE. And if it does, he's going to be gone. They're just not going to put up with it and tolerate it. No. And, you know, barring the injuries, that, that was a crazy deal. Remember, then he came back early. <clears throat> he came back early from an injury and it, and it wasn't good. And they did the and, weird booking with that Moxley match where he had him like, yeah. beat him, he beat him. And then he came back in a few weeks and the trainer, Ace Steel was there. They started doing wonky stuff. Like the best part of punk when it was him and one other Building up to a match, good promo back and forth, and that like that was punk, and you could still see it. And I, I'm actually kind of on the opposite. I like that he didn't go right into anyone right away. I actually sure, like it sure. because sure. now let me let me fantasy book a little bit here. Um, <laughs> Seth Rollins is the guy that everyone's talking about with CM Punk, and I think what's going to happen. It's like Chad, you go to a new place, a new company, or you go back to a place that you haven't been for a while, at the beginning, you're on your best behavior, right? You show up. You don't come right in calling people out. You show up. You're seeing your your old friends. You're saying hi. After a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, your real self comes out little by little. I would love it if that's how they played this, to where CM Punk is smiling and happy-go-lucky, and then we start to see the cracks come out little by little. And as that's happening, Seth Rollins is the guy telling us, I told you this guy was a bad guy. I told you he was a piece of crap. And and it puts this battle on the fans because the fans are going to want to cheer for Punk. And we see little by little Punk doing, like, shady things to the point where, you know, Seth is going to say, I told you so. Punk does have to – he – this is a – story these are characters in a story this isn't cm punk coming here winning every match and he's just gonna go over everyone they they're gonna have to tell good stories that's what i want to i want to see yeah and uh i I don't think cm punk's ever headlined wrestlemania nope um i I think this would be you know there's two nights now um yeah the perfect direction would be you know punk and Seth Rollins that headlines night one, and we know that Roman's going to headline the other. But, it, you know, as you recall, not going back to continue to hound his AEW run, but, you know, they, they created another show for him. The de- debut of that show was 800 and something thousand. It's never been the same after he's left. It just hasn't. For, you, can, you can say what you want to. We can blame it on college football. But after he left, it is tanked. Now that show, Collision, really, really, really is down. It's in the 300s. Uh, a good, a good Saturday for it, 400s, and that'll change when college football's over here over the next couple of weeks or whatever. But then, if you're punk, you also got to say this, Gino. Do I? Does he care? I don't know. 
but you professional wrestlers, you know about professional wrestlers. You've been around enough of them and talked to enough of them, been in and out of it with enough of them. Do you want your career, CM Punk? Because people always remember, you, you, you know, that's why I think Jordan said, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. You know, I'm tapping out. I, I don't want to be remembered as number 45 for the Washington Wizards. I just don't, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that was the same Punk. thing with baseball, too. That's why he went back. Yeah. From, right, from right, baseball because right. he didn't want to be remembered as the guy striking out playing baseball. That's why he right. went back Birmingham to the Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're CM Punk, you definitely don't want to be remembered by the guy AEW. And that's not, believe me, why WWE. But that that's probably one of the things. I think, does it open the door uh, to problems and bringing people back? There, Look, are you going to legitimately tell me now that it's over and done, and I know I'm going to get a message, oh, you're two-faced, you were crapping on Punk and AEW. I, I was. I really was because I don't think he fit. I, I, I really didn't. I didn't think he fit. I was bullish. Um, well, we, we, like I said, we if you listen to all of our shows, at the very beginning, we were almost in unison with how we felt about him. At the very beginning, we were like, eh. I mean, it's cool so, to see him, sure, but he's sure. he's not done much. And then he started getting – there was a good little stretch – where he had a couple months and a couple feuds that were very good. And we were repeatedly saying Punk's the best thing on TV right now. And then he, he got hurt. The ratings. Look, he was. Look at the, look at the Saturday and show. Who's going to pull 860000 on a Saturday night? That show's getting 300000 now. Two hundred. I mean, it just does. Call it what you want. Say what you want. That show is not going to be 800000 ever again. It's just not. And you have to give CM Punk a lot of that credit. Now, he wasn't on a lot, but look how quickly it, it's just, it's it's dipped. But what I'm saying is, this, if Sam, if you have an opportunity to bring back a CM Punk type, okay, for one more run, whether it's one year, we don't know how long this guy has signed. We, we, I mean, we, we, it's not we, five, right? It's not no, that. It can't it's, be. How old is no. this guy? 40, what? He's 45, 40s, right? Yeah. 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 So, look, he's not going to wrestle on TV every week. We know that. Um, if you have the opportunity, to it's literally going to be the opposite of what they were trying to do with him in AEW. And dude, I love the fact that we see footage of Rhea Ripley shooting the finger. I love the fact. Look, I, I'm not. I, I, it, let me finish this. I, I'm not. I, I love the fact that Seth Rollins was going bazonkers. Me whether too. Workers shoot, but. I'm, I've not always been the big, biggest Booker T fan. I just haven't. I like him. I like the character. I've just never been a big Booker T fan. But he said something the other day that really, really kind of resonated with me. Here we are in 2023, professional wrestling. At the end of the day, if you want to call it entertainment, wrestling, whatever. Professional wrestling at the end of the day. This is what's needed. Not all of them can work out this way. But if they do go Punk Rollins, which, I mean, come on you would think they have to go Punk Rollins. And there is legit heat. We've heard Punk, I mean, we heard Rollins throughout the years say this guy, you don't need this cancer back uh, in the WWE. If you had more feuds that involve some bad blood between each between the two workers in professional wrestling, it makes for one hell of a storyline. If things line up correctly and everything is good to go for night one of WrestleMania, and you have CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. That's pretty big. So CM Punk has always had a reputation of being like 
you know, his own type of person, right? He's he's not going to be quiet. He's going to say what he thinks. No, look but, at me. And I thought but, that was that show great in the straight edge society when they first created that for him. But here's the thing. Up until AEW, I mean, he he the last thing we remember was when he walked out at WWE. And then he got beat but, up in the UFC. But, but, be, but before that, his entire tenure of being in wrestling, like, he was... He was he worked for companies and was a good employee. He he wasn't like always he wasn't always a guy that you couldn't control or he he worked for under all these different companies for all these different bookers. He wasn't always the main character on every show. He understood the wrestling business and it wasn't until being in a it wasn't until the end of his WWE run where he was burned out. And I think he was rightly burned out, right? Like he was the guy for a while that was basically on every TV, every pay-per-view. He was like the John Cena, but he wasn't getting the respect that John Cena gets. So I can understand why he was like frustrated in that spot. He felt like he was the company guy. He's doing everything. He's wrestling with these injuries, baby face, uh, you know, heel, whatever they ask for. He was burned out. So he left. But before that, he was not some guy that was just a really hard guy to work with. People in the in the wrestling business loved him. That's why there was such a good response when he went to AEW, because all those guys and gals loved him. So that's the thing. It's like, are we looking at the one incident from AEW and we're like, that's who he, he is? Because he did walk out on WWE at the end, and he has said a bunch of stuff since then. But remember... This guy has been a good soldier before, and now I look at a guy like him that's got a bunch of talent, and I feel the same way with guys like Brian Danielson and with guys like Jeff Hardy and guys like Edge. They're incredible talents. They know wrestling really well, but I think for me, Chad, too, I like being produced. Like, I love doing my own shows here on That's What G Said. I can do whatever I want. But when I work for another company or another place and there's a producer or a director telling me what to do, God, it makes my job easy. You know? (laughs) Like, they hey, do this louder, do this quieter, not as much as that, cut that here. Some people get pissed off by it. They don't like it. I actually like it. I can do whatever you want me to do. I can play different roles. I can wear different hats. Just tell me what you want. Boom, you want me to give you a long promo, short promo, whatever. In WWE, that's like that's what we've seen with Cody. Look at Cody in AEW. At the end, nobody even knew what was going on with him. He was getting booed. There was no storyline. There was no direction from him. He comes over to WWE. He's a massive star because they're able to put the checks and balances on it's on him, right? He doesn't just go out there and do whatever he wants whenever he wants. He has to run it by some people. They work things out. It's not a completely scripted promo, but... It's somebody making sure, eh, let's cheat, let's tweak that a little bit. That's the kind of thing that WWE does that AEW doesn't do enough. And that's why I think CM Punk will work here and probably didn't work as well there. That's why Cody Rhodes is working really well here and didn't work as well there. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a really, really good point. You know, there, there's a, it's, look, I, I've talked to plenty and you probably have too former WWE workers, it's, it's very, it's, it's very corporate. It just is. And then when you, when there wasn't an AEW, when those that worked for WWE went over to the next competitor, which was at that time, TNA impact, they came to 
they, they started coming on the road and they would come to Beaumont and Houston and these little buildings and the house shows were run amok. There was talent running all over the place, in and out of the locker room during the show, before the show, throwing football. It's just a corporate structure. And look, that's not for everybody. I completely understand. I really do. But some people do thrive in that. Now, would I be shocked if Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan came back to the WWE now? Yes. Um, that's a, a whole nother story in itself. Uh that it's that it's leaked out that there was a he fired a, punk basically yeah there there was he was the head of a, a behavior committee in the AEW which I'm not saying there's that not around wrestling I don't know you know I I don't know what goes on but he comes out with this weird tweet that you sent to me or I sent to you whatever it was and now it's come out that TK was like well like you know that Daniel you know Daniel Bryan was over the committee that 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 said we need to fire him. So I had to go with, you know, Brian Danielson had to say or whatever. He like put uh, the pressure on Brian Danielson (laughs) to make him be the bad guy, which I will say it's a, it's kind of smart because it is everybody loves Brian Danielson. Right. And everybody respects him and they trust him that he's doing what's good for the company. Just like you said, but man, I bet that had to be hard on him because him and CM Punk have have known each other for 25 years, you know, in ring of honor. Um, so, and I did think just in like a very sad way, Tony Khan was such a CM Punk fan. Oh my God. It, 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 just remember those first few press conferences, how he oh was yeah. staring at him and like yeah. smiling and how and That's what sad. I would be doing too. Yeah, oh dude, me too. But how sad must he have been this weekend watching Punk come out there in that big arena on and just like that and then seeing all the buzz. That must have just eaten him because he tried he tried he he knew what a big deal cm punk could be but the problem is you you gotta have the right structure the right organization for him you know you have to bring him in to a winning team already because if not he can do exactly what he did he'll mess with some of the producers some of the, the young bucks and him got into it stuff behind the scenes jungle boy jack Perry, all that stuff you know it um, I was listening to Wade Keller last night on uh, uh, they're talking about dynamite and it reminds me a little bit about what they're doing with this, with the tournament, which I will say overall tournament is good. It is good. It's the matches are good. It's entertaining when it's on, but where they're kind of in a different position is they're trying to do this tournament like a new Japan style tournament. And I, I think we hit this a little bit last week, but keep in mind, New Japan doesn't have weekly TV. No. So you're trying to do something for an episodic TV show, which is not always the 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 kindest to an episodic TV show. You know, example, last night they've got a match between Swerve and Jay White. Very good match. Really like both guys. Like nothing to knock on, on the in-ring. Really good. But what's strange is this was the main event of the show. Neither one of these guys even talked or did anything before the match. We couldn't even get a promo to build the match up. We couldn't get Swerve before the match. Man, I'm a little banged up. I got to deal with Jay White right now. This guy knows tournaments. He's been in the G1. But you know what? I'm going to do this. Jay White then telling us, yeah, I know tournaments. I know the G1. I know what to do. Like, you can't, we can't even get a promo before their matches to have us care a little bit more about them. 
and, and so what I will say is, dude, I care a lot more about Eddie Kingston now. I thought they had him cut an amazing promo. Yeah. And yeah. he wasn't even on this show. It was to set up a match with him and Brian next. Eddie Kingston talks about how, man, I came into this like I was too cocky. I thought I put up my belts. I love what he said. He said, I thought by putting up my belts, it was like, like, you know, it was good karma for me. Like I was supposed to win it. Nobody's supposed to win Eddie. Cause I feel that way sometimes when I'm playing the yeah. race or when I make yeah. a bet. Right? I'm like, damn it. I worked harder than everyone. I put in all this time. That was supposed to be me. And it's never, you, nobody's supposed to be anything. I, I loved it. And then Brian cut a little promo and then boom, all of a sudden I care more about seeing those two guys when they wrestle on Saturday. Why, why, if, if you're going to have a tournament, with no interference, which is cool, fine. Like I like that. You still got to make us care about the matches more than just, hey, here are two guys going out to wrestle a match. Let every guy just cut a little promo before, after. Have some, there's got to be one or two guys that attack each other before the match, right? Like things like that. Those those are real things. Instead of just two really good wrestlers come out, let's have a really good match. I mean on. Wednesday, and we were talking a lot about Dynamite too because it's it's involved with all the punk stuff and everything. On Wednesday, we didn't see Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, either of the Young Bucks, Don Callis, uh, Hangman Page. None of them were on the show. None. Not no. one. Um, and it was because partially none of them are in the tournament. So you've got to have time for those three 15-minute tournament matches that you're going to have. So for the next six weeks or so, these guys aren't really going to be a big part of the show. I don't, I don't know. Um, that it's it's all for me, Chad. I think the same sort of thing that you, as a photographer, and you as someone who's watched wrestling, you've been behind uh, backstage at a lot of these independent productions. You've been in when you were young. You went and watched like, all independent promotions out there. You watched all sorts of wrestling events. You've been involved with TV, with photography, the same thing. Production and the way you present something and the way you tell stories are really important, man, especially in this day and age when there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Max, there's Paramount Plus, there's every sport, all of this stuff. If you just have two guys going out there and having a good match and nobody cares, we're seeing that the numbers dwindle each and every week if that's just going to be your focus. Well, I think it is. I, I, I've accepted it. I, I really have. Um, I, I got tired of being frustrating with it. And, I, Gina, once you've come to terms with it, uh, your expectations, and I hate to be like this and I hate to be ugly about it, but your expectations are, are lowered. This is what we're going to get. Um, I'm not a big fan of turning it on Friday night to watch an hour at 10 o'clock central time or nine o'clock central time of tape matches. Um, I'm not a fan of, of turning over to collision on Saturday night. Um, regardless of football season or not, I'm usually out busy doing something. I'm just not, but on Wednesday nights, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to watch it and I've lowered not the standard, but my just my expectations of it's, you know, it kind of reminds me of where we were a few years ago with WWE, mm -hmm. where you just don't expect there to be cohesion with storylines. You sort of know, like, you'll get some good matches, some good quality. And AEW, you'll get better quality in ring work. Like, you'll get a little bit better because they'll 
give you a few extra matches here and there, but it's 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 a little sad because when we go through this show, um, I guess we let's just start with AEW real quick because we're talking a lot about AEW okay. and then we'll, we'll come back to uh, to Punk and everything that happened. So like Wednesday, we've got Moxley Jay Lethal tournament match right off the bat. Good match. Moxley wins in twelve minutes. Here's the problem though. So far, we haven't had any upsets or anything. No. So you've got no. this tournament where you've got really solid matches, but everybody in the world thought John Moxley was beating Jay Lethal here. One hundred percent. Look, I'll give them credit. Um, they did work on the leg of Moxley. Moxley, we'll see if if that plays a part in the tournament. If they lean that direction, because I think you and I both agreed that Swerve is winning the gold division. This is the gold division, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, and then, and, and they're, now they're gonna have to face each other. You and know? then I'm not trying to steal stuff from Wade Keller, who was mentioning this last night too. So, okay, so if Swerve wins this whole thing. He's now the triple crown champion. So that means he's got a belt or he's going to be a different champion now carrying that around, defending it. You're you're telling me that's more important than if you were to just say he's the number one contender and he's got a match against MJF. That, that's I, I, I don't like it either. I, I, I just look, I, I, I don't. Uh, you know where I stand with the with the ring of honor in this, even when you bring over a new Japan belt. Or bring over this, or bring over that. This title, uh, you can't keep up with them. I just don't think, at the end of the day, it does AEW any good. I just don't. I don't. Why think are there so many good. like separate? Um, it's I like there's these really, separate worlds. Look, look, you know what I mean? People, look, if all people that were in WWE not established the Brian or the Dan, Brian Danielsons of the world, the Moxleys. The Christians, the Adam Copelands, I'm not I'm not talking about them, but of all younger people, okay, that are younger superstars that were in WWE that went over it at AEW. The one that's hot and, and, and ready for a rocket now is Swerve Strickland. Hundred percent. We all thought Keith Lee. We all thought Claudio Cast even though Claudio's in the tournament, he he's it's been it, it call it what it is. It's been disappointing, other than the one the, the night he debuted in the pay-per-view, he went over on top of the cage, and it's been like, oh, that was the jump-the-shark moment for that guy then. But this guy, he could be your world champion of AEW. That's how much faith I have in Swerve Strickland. He was really good. There was nothing wrong with him. Completely in, agree. In NXT WWE, I just don't know what good these belts do. I just think there's, look, it seems like in professional wrestling, Especially, look, and, and I'm not comparing AEW to indie wrestling by all means, but these indie promotions that's been around for a while, it seems like they create titles to make more people happy. They're actually more, they're, they're less meaningful to me. I, I just don't get it. This is something well, right here. That, that, that MJF's Strickland. off in his corner. It doesn't feel like he's ever well, going to interact. we heard the news. MJF's not going to be around for a while, right? If he has a torn labrium, is that right? Yeah. Or, uh, doesn't that put him out for some time? He's and he says he's defending the, the you know at next month in a month. And he's got a and he's got a gimmick tag match coming up, which, which we know if you're hurt or you're working hurt, those are the matches that you're in if you have to work is a tag match. We don't even know if that match is is going to get off the ground because first Samoa Joe and MJF Gino have to coexist. This doesn't look good for Joe. Like this makes Joe oh, like why is Joe? Dude, and you know what I really hated about that promo is MJF. It just seems like, dude, I I, I don't remember. I, I, he didn't say the three letters WWE, 
But if I'm not mistaken, and I, I think even the AEW fanatics thought the same thing during this promo. MJF said Samoa Joe never had the opportunity in another organization. He was the NXT champ multiple times. Well, I, dude, he was. He's yeah. a Ring of Honor and Impact champ, world champion in both and of those I companies. I thought that was a really uh, a cheap shot at several organizations that 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 Samoa Joe had been the champion in. It's like, dude, WWE tried to get you to be a world he, champion. He got hurt a couple times. He got hurt a few times. Every time he was going to have a good run, he had one that was coming up with Rollins, one that was coming up with Reigns, and he got hurt a couple. It was unlucky. And, and, and look, I don't know what happened at the end there in NXT, and, and I'm not, not going to rehash that old stuff. And no clue. No clue. But I thought that was weak. I thought it made Joe look weak. And now you're going to see if they could coexist with each other in a tag match against the devil. And now, let me say, in wrestling, this happens too, right? It's not like everybody exaggerates but like some of the things that he were say he was saying was just like joe is a really good wrestler joe would be a top guy i think in any company you put him in because he's got that presence and he's a badass joe did not transcend wrestling like he was talking about joe like he was stone cold steve austin or like it it just it was weird. He was laying it on way too thick, almost to where it's like, are they going to have Joe win this title? Yeah. It yeah. seemed like the way that MJF was like really, really laying it on. And so he cuts his promo. MJF comes out or Samoa Joe comes out. And and so this is again, like you want to make MJF the big part of your show. He's your world champ. He's got a thing going on with Samoa Joe. And now they got this whole thing with the devil still going. They bring the devils out. They beat up MJF. Joe makes the save. Then the devil, the devils challenge <laughs> MJF and Joe to a match next week. We get the writing that comes up on the screen. It's just like retribution. Didn't that, isn't that what Corey Graves tweeted? Retribution? Question mark? I think he, <laughs> yeah. I think he did. And it, man, it, it's like it's taken a weird turn. They... They had the, the devil look like it was Wardlow, and then right afterwards, Wardlow walks down to the ring, and his hair's all match. messed up. Yeah, well, and his his hair's all messed up, like know, he just right? had, had yeah. a mask on. So yeah. I don't know if that was like they were doing that on purpose or not. It just I, well, in, we're not going to find out who these people are next week, are we? No, oh, we are. I don't think so. And in listening to three or four different shows that uh, recap this last night. The least favorite part of everybody's was this on the show. Like, like the, like the worst segment of all the fans. The, and these are the, the hardcore AEW fans. They all hate this. All of them. They don't like this at all. It feels like the bad WWE stuff. Like it really does. And I'm, I just don't know where they're going to go. Cause it doesn't feel like whoever is the devil it's okay. I guess it's not MJF because the devils beat him up. If it's Wardlow, like really what you don't, you needed Wardlow to be the devil. You couldn't have yeah. him just come out like he's been doing and saying, I'm going to come after you MJF. It, I don't, I, I don't, it can't be right. No, it can't. I mean, but it, it, they wouldn't need it to be. If it's Jack Perry, everyone's oh, going to crap on it. Right. Everyone's going to crap on it. Yeah. The yeah. only one that makes sense to me that would actually make sense and fit would be Adam Cole. Adam Cole, sure. And you know what? I did read that maybe Britt 
her tweets, maybe it's all part of this. Could be. Right? Because she is out there. You're sending me her tweets. She is furious right now. Like live tweeting <laughs> Dynamite and live tweeting the shows. Like, how come Britt Baker hasn't had one minute of promo time this year? Christian Cage, 10 minutes of promo time on this episode. MJF, <laughs> eight minutes of promo time. Britt Baker, <laughs> zero. You know? And which was, which, look, it was her best pop. We know she's not the best in ring. What was the best asset about, uh, about the, the good doctor? Her promos. Absolutely. Her promos. She she's, could... look, she's lining herself up to sign a massive contract with the WWE. I know people don't want to hear me say that, but I'm telling you right now, she may be an AEW lifer, but I, I look, I'm a gambling man. She's lining gimmick, herself up to be a star, man. The gimmick would work well. And remember, so they said. This was an inside job, the Devils. They're someone Ooh, that's inside yeah. the inside. company. So yeah. is it Britt with Adam Cole and a couple others, right? She's pissed that now she's not getting any time. Adam Cole wants his – I don't know. I just let's, – let's play that. The other one I heard, which, man, I just have to say it because I, I want to hear your response to this. Oh, no. Is the Devil Tony Khan. Oh, my God. It was me all along. It was me all along. It was you. That would be the moment. Because I've heard that suggested from a few different people that what if it's Tony Khan and then he's the bad guy and now you got like evil boss Tony Khan and MJF. Tony Khan was trying to get the title off of MJF, do whatever he could to do that. That would be a, a like, that would be one of the really bad, um, like, finger poke of doom moments for them. I, I truly think. I just don't think the AEW audience has any interest at all to see Tony Khan as a character. No, no, like, no, be so awkward about it. So may, you know what? Somebody may bring up a good point. I would just puke, but his promos are terrible. His, his, his drums are so bad. So maybe he has to hide behind a mask. I don't know. But it is intriguing for next Wednesday. I'll say that. It is intriguing. I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see more what's going to who the devil is as opposed to can Samoa Joe and MJF coexist. Okay, positive. They announced Sting and Sting's final match, Greensboro Coliseum oh, in March. Oh, brother. It seemed a little weird that they announced it now. I must be. They must have like tickets going on sale soon but to where they. It, it is. That's why they did it. And okay. I was. I thought the same thing, but Shivani, you know, said. Uh, I think it was posted online somewhere too that tickets were going to sell soon. That that was they're going to okay. this as the big show. So, so I was the same when I first thought out. Like, man, that man, is weird. And then you know I what? That it was, you know, so we'll give show. them we'll give them benefit of the doubt on that. Yeah, they wanted I have to get no the, problem with that. It's get a build up. Out. It's a build up. I, but, again, positive. I have no no qualms with that. And it's it's far away, so it's hard sometimes. It's like you don't have any details for it, right? You don't know who it's going to be, or other if, than where what, it's at. Yeah, other yeah. than where it's at, which is a great location for Sting, Greensboro, oh, with all his history. Oh, yeah, like, there'll be a lot of Sting marks out there. And, and AEW, I think, will do a good job leaning into the history. I'm sure they'll have, like, some other, like, former NWA, AWA, WCW people that interacted with Sting there, I'm sure, in the audience. Like, this will probably be really well done. My, my biggest problem was, like, we we— we gotta record these promos with Flair, and if this if this was recorded, um, he can't he can't cut promos anymore like this. Like you just can't. This was awful. This was terrible. It was like it was like a person 
trying to do an imitation of Ric Flair, you know, and, <laughs> That's he, you funny. know, that made me LOL. And it's it, not funny because it, it's like, he's, he's doing a caricature. You, you, there are like, there will be like a five or 10 second glimpse where it's like, Oh my God, that was Flair. And like, you feel like, like with a tear in my eye, you know, like you'll feel some of that really good flair. And then after immediately he starts doing the shadow boxing and he starts going into like craziness. And then, <laughs> then they say that after, so this was on dynamite and sting is like thrown off. Sting is like, man, this is like the eighties again, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and then, there's oh. Rampage after. We haven't seen – we didn't watch Rampage, obviously, because it's it's taped. Right, right. But I was reading that <laughs> Flair cuts this promo. There's like a 10-minute segment, and it's Flair it's in ring too, Sting, right? and Shivani yeah. in ring for like 10 minutes. They just keep going. They're telling stories, and I'm sure it was fun and funny. But then at the end, Flair does his famous line where he <laughs> says, if you're between 18 and 28, you know, and he's talking, <laughs> which is like, dude, you've been you're like, you've, you've got sexual harassment allegations out there. I'm on, not laughing. Like, I, I don't, it's, I, no, I it's know not it about that. Ugly, it's man. just, no, oh, no, God. it's just like time and place. You know, like I'm not even the type of person who says, read the room. Don't, don't it's like, okay, you want to bring flair out there. I can understand. You want to bring him out there with sting and like flair, you know, you just don't have to say things like that, you know. Like you can do it differently. Just don't. Don't. And full disclosure here for me. Flair is my number one. Like Bret I love Hart Flair. Is your number one. Flair is my number one all time greatest promo. At sixty minutes, just everything. But this, the the last twenty years, and this last match that he had, and even that run in TNA Impact, even though that did produce one of the greatest segments in my mind with Jay Lethal, uh, Machismo. You can't do me. You can't do you know, me. That 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 was. I still watch that probably once every three or four weeks, just because. But this is this guy has become. Look the sixty. Look the 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 ESPN documentary on Flair was phenomenal, and I know this guy is pushing like the. It seems like everybody's getting to the cannabis gimmick now because it's becoming legal in more and more states. I know he's into the gummies and he's got the woo gummies and all this stuff. But look, you and I both know I'm 49. So I remember the things that were said and done in the 80s, even though I was born in 74. There's times of change. Even what the people said in the 20s and 30s or did the, you know, then didn't do them in the 50s and 60s. And then what really what was done in the 60s and 70s, the drugs and all the craziness and all that. You, time changes things, Flair. And that has to be cut, right? That oh, has yeah, to be there's cut no way Saturday. because there's like been really bad backlash. Like, that oh, that this has been TV. a big backlash. This is one of the biggest. And leave it to Flair who just signed with AEW. Well, I, know, think, be- I, th- I think what ends up happening is you it, – it, I think with the reason why some of the fans are upset or people that are upset about just kind of Flair in general being around is because the shots that Tony Khan takes and he tries to act like a little holier than thou – which is fine, right? If you want to be that way, like, if you don't want any, you, you don't want Hulk Hogan around. You take shots at Hulk Hogan. He said some bad stuff. Like, I'm not condoning anything he said. Vince McMahon, not a perfect guy. He's done bad things. 
But when you take shots at them and you say, Hulk Hogan's never going to be in my company and Linda Mc- or Linda Hogan's never going to be in my company and never them around. And then you bring someone in and you're able to lean into like some of the, the kind of gross stuff around them. Like that that's tone deaf. You have to be one, all one or all the other. And I honestly don't care which way you are, right? Like I, if you want to be a, Hey, we don't want any of those people around. We want to have like a really good company. We want to have a good morale. We want to have good energy. That's fine. But you just got to hold yourself to that, right? You can't <laughs> you can't pick and choose when you want to endorse those kind of rules. No, and I don't think anyone – do you think TK goes up to Ric Flair and goes, hey, man, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let's go over this promo that you're going to – Absolutely <laughs> not. No Would you? way. There's no send way. Brian Danielson. Hey, send the director of the behavior committee. But the, di- <laughs> but the difference is, you know who does? Triple H. Sure. Oh, Gu- yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Like, the, oh, just yeah. think sure. about that dynamic. Guaranteed. He goes, hey, Rick, come here. We got to run through this. <laughs> like, boom. I can see it. Oh, like, man. you can see, or yeah. you could see Triple H being like, Rick, we love you, man, but you got to slow that thing down. You know, or if like, you want to talk about the even the, the fat chicks on the front row, sure. Okay. Right. We, yeah. We'll let that one slide. But the 18 year old, yeah. let, let that line, let's retire it, buddy. Save it for the book. So, uh, <laughs> March. In Greensboro, yeah, Sting's final match. Uh, we had another Continental Classic, Mark Briscoe versus Roosh. Again, good match, but do you care that much? And now all of a sudden, Briscoe, he just loses all the time. You know, he's on TV yeah, all the time. That's unfortunate, yeah. And it's, um, it's a bummer there. We went through all the MJF stuff already. MJF, he w- always wants to get a little buzz, too. He'll say... CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, you know, he'll say their names on the microphone just to get people go, oh, he said CM Punk, or, oh, he said Cody Rhodes, and uh, I just keep watching MJF more and more and feel like, damn, I like the version of him as a heel way better than this, and it's not bad, he's doing a fine job as a babyface, but he's just fine as a babyface, and he was great as a heel before. I just think if if you're not giving this title to Samoa Joe now, what difference was it that your promo that MJF just cut, that nobody gave you the opportunity and they fumbled the ball, whatever he said, but not giving Samoa Joe a world title? Look, because he's running out of time, too. So if Samoa Joe's not winning this thing, then you just you basically buried Samoa Joe because wasn't he the Ring of Honor champion? Yeah. You, and, and, it, you know? and then so he's got to win this title. You, man, we'll get there too, like in a minute. Eh, I don't know what you do with Jay White at this point. Oh, no, no. Just a good worker who's just. Now he's just any. Yep. He's just any other guy. You had him lose already for the title. And now he's most on that roster. Now that's what that's become is most on that roster. Good workers. Good, good Good workers. workers. Wardlow squashes AR Fox. Here's my question. Why did this match get stopped by the ref? But we have other matches where people have. (laughs) screwdrivers we have other matches where people are bleeding from the head all sorts of things those matches don't get stopped this match in four minutes gets stopped that's like why if i'm just watching this and a person next to me has never watched the show and they tell me that was worse than what just happened in the match before or this is worse than what's happening in the in the main event with swerve and jay where there's three or four times where like these guys are in obvious pain, but you don't stop the match. 
why is this stopped? You should have just just have Wardlow do the freaking Ludwig Borga pin. You know what I mean? Where he just puts like the one finger on him or the one foot like Ultimate Warrior did that to Macho Man. Do that, but just have him be pinned. Like, I, like, why is this fight, if I'm just watching this and this is supposed to be a real sport, Chad, why is this fight stopped and the next <laughs> fight not stopped? Ring the bell, Gino. Ring the damn bell. The match is over. I, I don't know. It doesn't make uh, sense to me. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. it. We don't need to make Wardlow look. We, we've already been there, done that, right? We look, we jumped the shark again when he was in cuffs. Was that a couple of years ago? Was that Jeez. last fall? Yeah. Was that last fall? I remember yeah, I was over, in downtown yeah. Houston about to shoot a concert. I remember us talking about Year and this a half. specific thing. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I know it was cold weather because it was, it was chilly. Um, I just, I, I don't know. And then if Wardlow's going to be the devil. And you know what? Somebody brought up a good point too. Bully Ray got attacked by aces and eights. I, aces and eights. I thought that was a pretty good gimmick. Me too. Until everyone joined the aces and eights. Right, Eric Eric really Bischoff good. is in there, <laughs> or Garrett Garrett Bischoff, right? Yeah, like Wes, yeah. the other kid, Wes. There's like this yeah. random, yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't know, I, you know, I I don't I don't know. It would be really cool if it was MJF himself. That I would know. really be intriguing. But I again, I, I, again, Wardlow, you've had the opportunity. He's already said what a couple of weeks ago after his last match that it's he's going to wait his turn and he wants MJF. I, I just it's it's a little odd, but I'll say this: it, I, I'll give him this. It's intriguing, and uh, I do want to see next Wednesday. I just don't like the other booking. Some of these matches just just don't make sense. And you were right earlier. I meant to say this: we're talking about these Continental Classic matches. Um, these shows are being built definitely around this tournament, so I'll give them that. I, I so, don't so, like, so which is fine. So then yeah. let's have segments throughout the show. Yeah. Where you're incorporating the people in the tournament, even backstage. Give me a segment where you've got two guys that are in the tournament talking about a match coming up. I just loved everything about the Kingston promo. He's like, damn. And now I got Danielson next. Oh crap. Like he's, he's kind of talking through his feelings. I thought that was great. And then we get, you know, some of these other matches where there's no reason for me to care about it. Hey, do you remember when Action Andrade beat Chris Jericho? Here he is. He's on uh, He's on this six-man tag team with Dante and Darius Martin and Action Andretti, who had a big thing for a while. And then all of a sudden, just drop, never, never see the guy again. But we did see D- Dante and Darius Martin. Shout out to uh, Martin. He came back from that really really gruesome injury he came back really quickly to um athletic guys but i mean just you see andrade in here and it's like wow that guy was in like a big feud in in a big uh a big storyline with chris jericho and now nothing and then you have emmy sakura lose her shot at the women's championship but then she gets a chance at the tbs title why like what is she, she hasn't won a match since what? Why is she wrestling for this title? We just saw her lose a match for the other title. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense to me. I like Julia Hart on the show, Chad, and I like that they're doing things with some of the new gals. So shout out to Julia. And then they had the Tony Storm segment after, which was pretty funny. Um, but again, it's like these little things that don't make a lot of sense to me. What? Why would? What did she do to deserve a title shot? I think you're muted, Coop. 
Oh, my bad. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I think it was Hearts. Uh, I think they alluded to it was their hometown. So that was that are are going to be or something. I don't know. She. I, I don't like the twenty count. I don't like that. I don't like these special rules for some of these. Titles. Oh, this was stupid. I, I mean, like I this just, makes no sense. <laughs> I just hate. I I hate it. It's, it's either stupid. a regular title or not. It, it's silly, but no, they're just handing out title shots like Oprah hands out gifts in the old studio back in the that gimmick back in the. You day. get a title shot, and yeah, you get. You. <laughs> when everyone's a champ, everyone's you know everyone's yeah. got a yeah. got a shot. Christian and Edge, so positive. Um, they at least put this segment on dynamite, right? We talked yeah. about how these guys weren't even on dynamite for a few weeks. They they were all over Collision and Rampage, and. They're getting to this match pretty quickly. And I mean, when you have these two guys in the ring, it's going to be fine. I think it's solid. I just can't help but like looking at these two guys. And I know I shouldn't, but just wondering if these same two guys were doing the same type of thing in WWE, like on like a WrestleMania stage, how much bigger it would feel. But the, oh, yeah. but my, but my quick counter to that is like, you know, maybe it would be different now, but this is one of the best versions of Christian. Christian, yeah, that, that's one thing we can agree on. He's been on yeah. fire. Now, there's been some disparaging comments he's made, but everyone's made them in AEW, uh, these promos about people's deceit and, and all this. But, but uh, Christian's been on fire. Now, are we going to get this match on TV really next, next week? week? Next week on TV. That seems really quick. It can't just be a clean ending no, for these guys. It's got to be something to wear. Because honestly, I feel like these guys would be a great, like if if they come full circle by March, like Edge and Christian versus like Sting and Darby would probably be a really fun last match for Sting. Yeah. You know, something like that, like these guys or the Young Bucks or, because do you think it's going to be a singles match or a tag match for Sting? Oh, uh, good question. Uh, it's got to be a singles but man, so do you think? Uh, would you say Darby then? Maybe is yeah, like is Darby yeah, the guy? Yeah. If it's if it's singles, it's got to be Darby, right? Now, because of are, what are they've you, done. Now look, are, you have to book him to go over, or not? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Darby for sure. Darby for yep. sure. Then I think so too. He's don't he's do in, no Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy. BM. No, I don't not, have time for any of that. No, and uh, the Darby's getting ready to climb Mount Everest, right? He's gonna he's doing that right now. Yeah. I think that's why he's not around. Otherwise, he probably would have been in the tournament here. Uh, and we talked all about the main event, Jay White versus Swerve. Swerve gets the win. And uh, so Swerve looking strong in the tournament so far. Let's go back in time a little bit and just go over some of the things we missed from Survivor Series, which we ended with CM Punk showing up. But before CM Punk showed up, it was a really, really good show. That was all about the two War Games matches. And Chad, it just shows you the incredible amount of talent they had. I thought both matches were fantastic. The women's uh, was first on the card, and we had the baby faces go over, Bianca, Charlotte, Shotzi, and Becky, and Damage Control gets the loss. And now it looks like Damage Control and Bailey could be going their separate ways, which has a lot of people hoping and thinking that it could lead to the return of Sasha Banks. Yeah, and look, if you think that's out of the realm now, we we thought that, I did. I shot you. You and I had crazy. I, I messaged you. What's your crazy prediction? You know, uh, for Sir, Survivor Series. Um, 
one of the names being tossed around has been Sasha. If you don't think that she's not trying to make another run at WWE, like I said earlier, when talking about Punk, this opens the door for stuff like that. Now, you can't take a chance on everyone. You just can't because it's all not going to work out. But you, Gino, you're in Triple H position right now. You have a meeting with Sasha Banks. Do you pull the trigger? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they, she's one of the few where you, her upside when you weigh the risk versus reward with her, it's the yeah. same thing with CM Punk, right? When you weigh the risk versus the reward, the risk is worth is worth the reward because the reward is fantastic. So even if it is a little risky, like she is an amazing in ring. She's got that presence. She has a huge fan base. Also, I would go do it right now. It would lead. It would. It'd be good in storylines. And then all of a sudden, you have Sasha with. Sasha and EO, Sasha and Asuka, you bring her in. You can really maybe start to focus on the women's tag division again if that's what you wanted to do, you know, sure. something with Sasha and Bailey. So I think you do that there. And it's just another show where there was nothing bad on the card. Looks like we're going back to Gunther and Miz again. This was a great effort from Miz here, man, like really good effort and just another awesome match from Gunther. Hey, and compliments uh, coming from Daniel Cormier, uh, former UFC heavyweight and light heavyweight world champion, who's a massive professional wrestling fan. Of course, he was on a uh, he had a gimmick in WWE, I think, for one show. Um, he said, you know, his favorite all time, and and he lets you know is the Macho Man Randy Savage. He said after Monday Night Raw, um, his favorite professional wrestler of all time is Guther. He said the dudes. He said, what guy in 2023 can end a match with a sleeper hold, a leg drop, good old-fashioned, old-school wrestling, and can cut an amazing promo like he can without having to say 100 words? I think that was spot on. And I think you and I both agreed, and we said it last week, name change didn't stop this guy. This guy is uh, is really, really good. And I think you can – look, Imperium look, lost again. I think you can turn those guys or turn against. I don't think he needs really anyone, but it's uh, he's amazing. This this dude is amazing. And again, with so many of these, you said it last week with 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 Rhea, with Roman, uh, and with Gunther with these titles. How can you afford somebody, you know, especially like Gunther to lose a title right now? You can't. But look, man, Miz has made us a. a Miz face fans again. We lo- we like Miz. It was like a month ago. He was the world the world most hated WWE Hill figure, right? And now he's and, and Guther deserves a lot of that credit because he he's made uh, Miz look really really good. It's been a good feud between these two. Uh, Santos continues looking great as a heel. I think he's going to have a nice heel run moving forward, and it should probably be him and Ray at, at Mania if if Ray sure. will be healthy at that point and. We've liked this guy from NXT. Um, and, and then, you know what? I think for Zoe, they've done about as good of a job as they can with Zoe. It's just a tough spot to be in because Rhea is so over right now, you know, like, and the fans want to cheer for Rhea. So I think it, we've, we've kept mentioning it over and over. They, they've done a pretty good job with Zoe, with Raquel, with, uh, with Shayna a little bit, with Nia, I think in particular, of building them up. They're just not on the level of, of Rhea right now. No. And that's that's what hurts. Dude, that men's war games just felt like there was so much star power in the match with Cody, with Seth. Next, Sammy and Jay felt like big stars 
Randy makes the appearance. You've got Priest, Balor, and Drew, like, all feeling, like, huge presence there. And now what's so cool is we had, you know, felt like Cody and, like, Sammy and Jay feuding with the Judgment Day forever. Now we're sort of transitioning to Randy Orton in the mix with the Judgment Day. And it feels like we'll have that go for a little while. And Drew had his full-on heel turn. He head-butted Seth. And that's probably a direction that we're going to be going to moving forward. So, boom, coming right out of Survivor Series, they didn't waste and sit on their heels and just say, ah, we're going to have Punk come out and we don't have to worry about anything else. They're already right into Randy with Judgment Day. Boom, right into Seth and Drew. Boom, you've got Nakamura who's going after Cody now. Love it. So you feel like it. The, with the mist, he sprayed Cody with the mist, and the, it looked like the blood, right? The red, the red mist. Yeah. Look, and I like these little details. When when one of the vignettes backstage, when Priest was saying, "Hey, look, I thought you guys were gonna gang up on me and say I was the reason why we lost the War Games match," and they were like, "Oh no, no, it's everything's cool." Then he asked uh, how JD was doing, and then when Priest walks away, Rhea kind of cuts her eyes and kind of rolls her eyes when he walks away i'm telling you man we're going to build this guy up to a really good baby face here he's going to be a massive big main eventing star for wwe soon is damian priest i i, I just so fully too. believe that man i fully Remember, believe that when he was the u.s champ he was a really over baby face yes. as this like cool baby face they put him in the ring with lashley a couple times when lashley was the world champ and it felt like they were about to go like with something and then for whatever reason, they got cold on Priest at the time, and then they, they he lost the belt to Kevin Owens right then. It was sort of weird. This is this is getting right back to where this that guy was. And just coming off of Raw, I loved – I know a lot of people didn't. I loved that Punk promo because it felt like you just know there's so much more behind it. Like he's the guy that's just, I'm being respectful. I'm being a good soldier. And you know there are things percolating – Underneath, because the last <laughs> line he said was, "I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money." Oh, I, I, which that was he did the little that was that a little he paid homage. homage he did the to, uh, the, the victory little, lap, the little victory lap there. And look, if you thought CM Punk was going to drop a pipe bomb on Monday night, I no, no, I was I wasn't the least bit disappointed. Well, it how you, how it could he want what, a little more? What, well, because what could he do that would make sense right now? He's not coming in and ripping AEW because there's no payoff there, right? He's not going to come in and build up a match against Hangman Page or the Young Bucks because what are you going to what are you going to do? There's no way to make money there, so you're not going to mention them, and you know you're not going to come in and blast WWE right away. You got to be the good soldier. You just got hired back by them. You came back here, like you know, and I, I know a lot of people are pissed off that he said things like. You know, I'm home or I feel like my home. Let, let me say this. Isn't it very likely that this guy got a little bit of a different perspective after what he's been through right now? I'm not saying that he's like, oh, my God, I missed the WWE. But when he thought about wrestling and what he loved about wrestling and the fans and the and the moments that he had in WWE, those are moments that he's never going to be able to have in any other place but WWE. Ever. Did you ever feel one time in his run in AEW that that was home for him? No, no. It, did you, you? What? When they made a show just for him because uh, apparently the you know the Young Bucks and Omega and and others Perry were having problems with him. You made it. You created a show. Yeah, you were going to do 
extra hours, but you specifically were putting a roster together for him. People want to forget about the decade where this guy worked for this company as a good in week out at all levels as your IC champ, like a, a, you, you know, like he did everything. He was at all levels and he did what he was supposed to do for a long period of time. He was a baby face that went out there and cut baby face promos and would be the guy that welcomed people at the live events. He likes the fans. He's not an ass. Like, I mean, maybe he is in real life, but he gets off on the connection with the fans. Right. So that's what he, you got to lean into with him here I, it didn't bother me that he said, I'm home. Dude, you and I, I'm sure, have had relationships or like you start a job and you're like, oh, this place is great. And then six weeks later, you're like, damn, this is not what I thought. <laughs> I would love to go back to the old place. Like, and, you know, you break up with someone and you start talking a little trash about them. And then you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right. You know, that's it, it, Kayla Braxton tweeted that grass isn't always greener, is it? You know, um, so. I, man, from one week ago where we were not really expecting this to right now, that's what's so cool about pro wrestling. You know, like we're watching a Laker game and the Lakers play the Nuggets. You know what's going to happen, right? The Lakers are going to win. The Nuggets are going to win. You might have an awesome game for Jokic. Maybe you see LeBron do something crazy, but like you sort of know the players that are on the board. You know the chess pieces. You don't in wrestling, you know, you just never know. Who could come in like a like a CM Punk like this when we least expect it? So <laughs> big numbers on Monday Night Raw. Uh, That's a good number. Biggest demos in a long, long time. Coop, let's finish up just talking a few minutes about NXT, which is still one of my favorite and like most consistent shows. Their main event this week was a fatal four-way between Cameron Grimes. Bronson Reed, Johnny Gargano, and Wes Lee as sort of a proving ground match for Wes Lee in order to get his match with Dominic Mysterio. Dude, the match was awesome. And Dominic sitting on commentary just saying stupid stuff throughout. Like, it's great. Fantastic way to end NXT. And I think they went over like 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, dude, that, that main event was spicy. It was good. It was really, really good. And you know what I liked about NXT and what you have always, and you did a couple of times today, talking about some promos to juice up some of these Continental Classic matches. Look at the promo, the 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 video vignette we got of Johnny Gargano on Tuesday night returning to NXT. It told you, uh, they, they, they retell you stories in case you forgot because there is some audience that watches NXT I, or don't watch NXT I, and watches WWE. That's all you need. Just I wanted to cry for Cameron seconds. Grimes. I almost oh, did. Dude. Seriously. Yeah. When he's talking about I'm his dad. I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about it. They, they talked about him. So I think he may be getting another run in Me NXT. Me too. I hope so. Because, yeah. man, and when we were watching him, dude, when he did the million-dollar belt gimmick with LA Knight, that, remember how amazing that feud was with those guys? Like – that was unbelievable. And the whole time we were watching Cameron Grimes, we always said he can actually do the comedy WWE stuff really well if they want yeah. to go that way with him. So he just needs to be presented better. And the same thing with Gargano, unfortunately, because right, like honestly, right now of the three guys that were in that match, Bronson reads the most over on the main roster of those three. Of, yeah. Cause 
at least the fans get into his matches because he's just a big dude that beats people up. Like, I actually think him and Ivar is kind of a fun little thing that they got going. These guys are just like, <laughs> have you seen the gimmick with um the from Family Guy with Peter Griffin and the chicken where they just yeah, beat the oh, crap out of each other? You yeah, know what I mean? Like, this reminds, I want to see these two guys just beating the crap out of each other all over the place and just like not stopping over and over now, and over. There, there was a, 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 their match on Raw. There was a couple of spots that Reed was gassed. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And, and he got tired. But the match on Raw was really, really good. It, it, his spot in the main event at NXT was was fabulous. And, and it, made, and it made perfect sense. And it I, I, I wasn't even thinking about it at all. There was no way in my head where I'm like, oh, Ivar's, Ivar's going to interfere in this match. And it made a ton of sense. And, and now, with no pay-per-view between now and Royal Rumble, you've got weeks where you're going to need some of these TV matches. Boom, that, that's going to be a nice TV feud for the next few weeks with those guys. Um, some of the other things that stood out from NXT. And I got to say, Tony D and Stax, they have been really improving in ring. Like, Stax especially. He's got, and, and as a team, they do these, like, tandem offense now. Like, they're like a legitimate tag team. I could see them coming up to the main roster and being tag team champs and, like, being the family. Uh, really, really good. Look, we thought it was a good, cheesy gimmick to begin with during the NXT 2.0 days. Remember him walking down the streets of Brooklyn? Yo, Tony D, I'm going to give me some pizza. Eh? You know, I just, and this evolved into a believable tag team uh, that's had some really interesting storylines with body bags, people getting, you know, uh, him going to jail for a little while. Didn't Tony D go to prison for a little oh while? yeah he jail was in he while? was in jail and we thought Stax was the one that that turned him in but it was not they've then they had the stuff with legato the oh, and look, been, hey and i forgot to mention look since we're talking about nxc tag teams let me tell you who's triple h is really behind on raw is creed brothers holy oh, cow oh yes man. yeah they're At- look i know the fans are really don't know what to do with the creed brothers right now uh don't sit around and wait, fans. I, some of these arena fans, T-shirt fans, as I call them, there's nothing not to like about the Creed brothers. Get behind them. Get behind them because the WWE loves them. That was, I thought, I thought that was a great spot. Them Dude. and Ivy Nile, I, I thought it was really good. Um, but yeah, the tag team division in NXT, look, it's it's really good too. On the men's side, it's it's really really salty. And Tony D, uh, you you got to give it to them, man. They're they're. Uh, they're fun. Um, I, I think that uh, they won them off Chase U last week, right? Yep. And what happened to Chase U this week, Gino? Dude, Chase U, Chad. Chad Cooper apparently was going to Chase U because there's some gambling going on at Chase University. Chad, you're involved in a gambling scandal. So I can't remember where I heard this, but is this the poker player, Duke? Remember Duke? He was the poker player. That was his gimmick before, where he was the gambler. And now Duke is the guy. Remember, there was a while where Chase, Andre Chase, wasn't around, and Duke what? was running Look the school. You. What are you doing? How about that? Are we gonna go back to Duke, like funneling gambling funds, like to his poker matches when he was in charge of the school? Is this what we're gonna do? Because if so. I love that they're going back to the fact that Duke used to be a horrible poker player. <laughs> Wasn't it Cameron Grimes that beat him in the in a like in a poker game one yeah. on one? Oh yeah. Uh, 
This Man. is great. That's, oh. a, that's, that's great. This this is so good. And the, the fact that they're leaning into this scandal. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It, it pops me. And uh, Really good. <laughs> it, I didn't even think about that. You know what else pops me is Nikita. Nikita's coming back soon. Oh, they she's coming back. Showed her Not in the crowd. video vignette. Yep. Are we getting like a Roxanne heel turn? Man, I tell you what, I'm glad you brought it up that way because that was not very old school baby face of, of Roxanne Perez. She was that. really black too, like wearing a lot of black yeah. and dark, like emo-y sort Good of. Cat. So I think we may be getting a heel Roxanne. We Okay, so they showed video of Lexus King following Trick Williams into a room before, and then Trick Williams got attacked. So everybody just assumes it was Lexus King. But what they did, what was really creative was they didn't show us the beatdown. They just showed Trick walking into a room and then Lexus King behind. But they didn't show any interaction with the two of them. I think that we're going to get another angle of footage in the next couple weeks. And I think they are going to have it be Carmelo. It seemed to me the way Carmelo was talking at the end, he wanted Trick to help him go after Lexus King. And Trick said, no, we don't have to be that way anymore. That's not like us. I think they were, they're were they teasing it because I think it's going to end up eventually being Carmelo the way they played this thing out. Yeah, I do too. And I think you and I both want to see – look, we, we both want to see them move up to the main roster together, right? Um, but until then uh, – This is a good story this is a good story and have them face off and then they reunite and then you can move them up to the main roster. Absolutely. Um, I, I love it. I, I think it's good. Uh, now who's the hill? Who's the hill? Carmelo. Yeah. I think when they, I think when they show that Carmelo did that, he's the heel. Yeah. And I like, it's funny. Lexus King came up to uh Brooks Jensen and said, Hey, I didn't pick you for the iron survivor qualifier. Did anybody pick him? No. It's like, <laughs> He's like, nobody picked you either, bro. But so I thought that was great. I like the character of Lexus King. I still don't, he hasn't been very good in ring or like just he's wrestling like a heel. It almost yeah. reminds me like when Mick Foley went to ECW and was like, I'm just going to wrestle. I'm going to be the wrestler and I'm not going to do any like big moves and I'm not going to do anything that you want. He's wrestling like a real heel to get heat. Um, Shout out to Brooks. I thought Brooks looked pretty good in the ring. That dude's only like 22 years old. Uh, which one? Because uh, I get them all uh, confused. Is, is Briggs going to do the heel turn? Briggs is the one that's about to heel turn right now. Okay. He's in yeah, the Iron I, Survivor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a good spot for him, too. I I, I really like both of them here. Me, too. Um, Me, too. Looks, I've always liked Brooks and, and done Mamorino. Mamorino. I've been seeing that uh, here too. with you uh, every week. Uh, again, another good job because... Those early video vignettes were so cheesy, but yet when you look back on them, you're like, man, no, they were, they were cheesy, but man, they were good. They were really good. And then you just get to see them grow. And here they are. I, I, I mean, it's when you have a good success story and in, in anything in life, it's really, really good. It makes you feel really good. And when you, when you've watched NXT from the black and gold, from what it was, it was the edge. It was the reason why people were tuning into the WWE Network. Not the only reason, but a big reason why. Because, of course, you were watching the, the pay-per-views on the weekends or once a month. But you wanted to see NXT. And then when they come over to cable, and then they flip. And then we just go through this 
just oh, it was just brutal to watch some of these segments. The 2.0 at the very beginning. Man, they've grown up before our very eyes, and now we're seeing heel turns on some of them. This is great. It is, it is like really, really strong. We we have. I just I laugh like they put the metaphor on screen, and Noam Dar is wearing this stupid hat. Like <laughs> I don't know what it what it was like a fur hat, and it's just like you're looking at the guy, and you can't help but just laugh. A little bit. He just is like he reminds me a little bit of of the Miz in that like yeah, yeah. he's just so out there. Like he's off the wall. It, it's it's Miz is a different one too. Like I can't put my finger on there's like Miz stuff in there with him, but I think Noam is gonna be a main roster guy just because of how much he can do with the creative stuff. I still remember Alicia Fox when he was on there. <laughs> and he was he was doing that thing, so um, that should be fun. Braun Breaker picked up a win, so he is in the Iron Survivor Challenge match, and they set up for next week a couple of matches. We've got Carmelo versus Gacy versus Joe Coffey versus Eddie Thorpe, and Roxanne. What do you think about Gacy filling the bell. <laughs> Gacy was stealing the bell. He was under the ring. You know what? It's 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 something. Like it's better than what he was doing true. before. It's true. You know, I, I'm, I'm at least. It makes me laugh a little bit, right? Like, hey, you, hey, hey, you, you, and I'm jumping all around because please, I'm, things please. pop in my head. Please do. We haven't mentioned Braun Breaker. What do you think about his match? Yeah, the match, like him and and Thorpe are like. Oh, you mentioned yeah. That's right. They're Thorpe. really good. They're what good, I, and they man, they they're really good. Hard hitting. It just feels sort of like like I think what we've been we've been saying. Of the CM Punk win that thing. Or is that you, how he gets to Rollins, or does Cody win that thing and says, I, you know, I, I reigns? Or do you do something like <laughs> all over you the have place. a CM Punk match with somebody else on the card um, to keep him out of the Rumble, or do okay. you have, or you have something like P- Punk eliminates or uh, Rollins eliminates Punk from the Rumble? Or do you have? Do you have to? Have, would it seem odd not to have Punk in it? No, but. Uh, I, I did see where he posted something on his Instagram story, Punk, um, you know, about Dominic. He was doing a promo back in the day when Dominic was a kid, when Ray and, and CM oh, Punk had a feud. Yeah. You know, and, he's, and he's pointing at Dominic. So there's all I'm just all over the place. Things are just popping Great. up. Great. You know, you just never know what's going to happen. You just never know. But Brian, look, I don't want him up on the big stage. When there's nothing there, and for I think him the to Royal do, Rumble, yeah, and I think the Royal Rumble makes perfect sense. Um, Dragon off, this dude oh, is man. so intense, man. He's yeah, so that intense. That dude's a beast. Backstage, Nathan Frazier is sort of just talking about how, um, man, like, I guess I'd rather be Baron Corbin if I could. You know, Corbin's got a good life, and he's got yeah, his family around. He's got money, and like, Dragon has got to make a lot of sacrifice. Like, if I could pick, I would, I would do that. And Dragon off is like. What you think I'm? You disrespect me and what I'm doing? And Frazier was trying to be like, no, look, I'm just saying, if it was me, I would rather do that. That's and Dragonoff just wanted nothing to do with this. We are gonna fight right now in the ring, and his intensity is awesome. And Baron Corbin being this, hey man, I've got a pretty good life, but I'm just gonna take your title, and then I've got everything that you've got, plus my family and all this money. It. I love this dynamic between the two of them. And I think particular you and I have always been Corbin fans pretty yeah. high on him. Yeah. He 
he's doing a really good job here. He just feels very comfortable in his skin right now. Uh again, you just never know how someone's going to rebound when they get, and I know a lot of people said, oh, he got pushed down to NXT, which is on USA Network for two hours, you know, every week. Um, Again, it tells you what type of a person, athlete, and wrestler, and entertainer are when you're able to make the best of a situation where you don't think, okay, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do this. Cause a lot of people don't respond that way. We've seen horror stories that just didn't work out when someone was brought here or brought up or brought, did this Corbin's made the most of his situation. He's become a staple and it wouldn't surprise me if he won the NXT championship. It wouldn't, it would not surprise me if he did. NXT finished up with the, or we, we got another Ariana Grace sighting. Shout out to her. She uh, she picks up a win there. She's gonna be great as she continues to um, to move up and continues to build on her character. And then Wesley picked up the win to yeah. close out the show, which was a very good addition of NXT in a really nice week for pro wrestling. And as we finish up with pro wrestling, Coop. It is conference championship week in college football and NFL in week 13. Man, it is crazy. You have any plays coming up this week? Man, yeah, yeah. So I I have multiple, but uh, I I don't know when you're putting this particular podcast out. But I, I do think when people listen to this, I do think a lot of people think that the Seattle Seahawks are getting a lot of points against the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night. That would be definitely one I I would take a look at. Uh, The one in pro that I really, really like, Kansas City at Green Bay. Uh, I think Green Bay at home getting six and a half points is enough for me to say, yes, sir. I think Jordan Love has played better. Kansas City, after, uh, you know, playing the Eagles, had to really crank it up in the fourth quarter last week. Uh, to win, I think the same situation here. Look, the I, I'm a trend guy. I love the trend. So uh, the Packers are 13 and four against the spread when they're a dog of three or more points under uh, Matt Lafleur, the head coach. I like that. Loves three and zero against the spread at home this year against non-conference opponents. I like that. And then the final one was, you know, was this. So the first one. That's all I needed. But I usually go about three deep. Kansas City 0 and nine against the spread, Gino, as a favorite when both teams are coming off and against the spread win. So I definitely like uh, the Green Bay Packers here. I'll have a lot of college stuff, but there's two that, that are re- – there's several that are intriguing, really, really intriguing to me. You never know what's going to happen with in a couple of these games because a couple of these lower level – what I mean lower, non-power fives. So take, for instance, uh, Tulane is playing SMU. Willie Fritz is tied to this University of Houston job. Does Tulane, who's playing at home, do they come out flat and not and not play well against SMU? Same with uh, Mountain West. Barry Odom, he's kind of been linked a little bit to this University of Houston job. Uh, uh, UNLV uh, is playing in the Mountain West Championship uh, uh, against Boise State. I'm not sold so much, Gino, in the revenge factor, but I, I've, I've always thought that Oregon, even with the with the lost to Washington was better than Washington. This is your territory. You're in Cali. You're on the West Coast. You see I all Pac-12. I, I see more Big 12 SEC stuff here. I think the number is big for a reason. Um, I think Oregon's better. I think their defense is better. Yeah, they, they gave up a lot of points in that first game. It was in Washington. 
Okay, this one's inside. It's uh, it, it's in Vegas at uh, was that Allegiant Stadium? I think Oregon covers here. I think Oregon covers late. Um, I just think I, look, Bo Nix. Somebody put the stat out here, Gino. This game this weekend will be his 60th, 6-0 collegiate start. Bo Nix. Experience, he's seen it all. He's been and, there. And now he, look, I, I think he wants the Heisman. Um, I think he, he solidifies that this week. Uh, when, the, when the voting begins, I, I think after this week, I just like Oregon here. I know that's a touchdown. I'm not scared of it. So my college, my early college pick is uh, is Oregon Ducks covering. I think the six and a half or seven. I'm a little concerned with Texas uh, so much, but man, Texas is uh, is PO'd. Oklahoma State does have one of the best running backs in the nation, but man, man alive, you know Texas could come out and say, "Hey, we're mad." We're if Texas wins, I. I, I they don't have a shot in this playoff, college playoff deal, to where this rankings shake up, because whoever wins between Washington and in Oregon is going. So I think Texas may have something to prove here. So I don't know, but uh, I'm locking in with uh, Green Bay Packers six and a half, getting the points, and I'm going to go with Oregon uh, uh, giving the points in the Pac-12 championship. Coop Loop, uh, we are together, especially with the Packers. That's one of my plays of the week yeah, too. Love the Packers. Just the Chiefs' offense hasn't been as incredible, too. So being favored no, to no. where they need to beat you by a touchdown on the road, that's just too much covering with margin there for a, a do, Chiefs team. My hat's off to them. Me, too. You know, and defending champs. It wasn't even just last week against the, the Lions. Green Bay, for about three weeks now, Love has looked really, really good. He's starting. It, it does, it's not a coincidence that Green Bay is getting better when their entire offense is rookies and second-year players. Sure. Their entire offense. So all these guys are figuring things out. They're improving rapidly as the year goes on. Uh, I like that spot quite a bit this week. We will be following you at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Coop Loop, my man. Thanks so much for hanging out and uh, talking uh, on a really fun week to talk about pro wrestling. You got it, Gino. Good luck in your plays, and we'll chat next week. Folks, don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. A big thank you to Chad for helping us out with this week in wrestling. Thank you to Eric for helping us talk NFL. Our buddy Barry Spears, the sniper, had that health scare. Uh, shout out to Barry. He will be back in the next couple weeks whenever he's feeling ready. He's doing good. I'm talking to him every day. So uh, hopefully whenever he's feeling good in the next couple weeks, he'll be back talking some racing with us here on That's What G Said. Thanks so much, everyone, for hanging out with us. Good luck this weekend. And hope everyone's having a, a nice holiday start to the season so far. And as we move towards Christmas, uh, we'll be talking with you here each and every week. And soon we'll have the Marvels to talk about, too. Tim Kelly and I will recap the movie, the, the latest one, which I liked a lot better than some of the reviews are giving it. I thought it was fun. It's it's quick. Um, it's not perfect, but it's not awful and it's not bad at all so we'll talk about that coming soon a lot more racing a lot more football um everything going on in the world of sports and pop culture we'll have right here for you on that's what g said